Welcome to the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. I am your guest, Annika O'Brien. And we are your hosts, Parker Dillon. And Stephen Craig. And this is episode 86. So next week, Wednesday, what is that, September 27th, at 6 p.m., we'll have our meetup here at uh, Macrofab uh, in Houston, Texas. So if you're in Houston, come on by. It's free. There's food. What kind of food are we having? Sandwiches. Uh, there's beer. There's going to be two talks. Mauser will be here giving a talk. Mauser's awesome. And uh, Steven will be giving a talk. That's right. Yeah. Um, and what, what's your talk about? Uh, what is my talk about? I'm you- doing uh, <laughs> lean manufacturing and how to design for it. Okay. Yeah. And Mauser's talking about um, their website and parametric searching, if I recall. Basically, how to drill down to the component that you're looking for as fast as possible. Yeah. Okay. Um. So yeah, come on by RSVP. There's will be in a uh, a link to the event bright, and I will probably be there if I'm in town. Awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, I went to your your oh. inaugural um, meetup. The very first one. There was a bunch meetup. of people there. Yeah. yeah. yeah there was, was pizza. There was pizza. <laughs> we yeah, we we swapped over to sandwiches. The beer is all that really matters, right? Yeah. 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 Okay, so. Founder and driving force behind the LA Robotics Club and Houston Robotics Club, Annika O'Brien has put a lot of focus into creating communities for people of all ages who have an interest in learning more about robotics and electronics. Is that anything? Is that, or not anything, is that everything? <laughs> is, that anything? <laughs> is there anything that you would like for me to add? Yeah. Um, uh, I can't really think of anything that's uh, pertinent to today's discussion. I mostly wanted to talk about humanitarianism and kind of um, community stuff sure so, because that, that that one paragraph is highly simplistic yeah. in comparison to everything that encompasses you yeah and it's weird when i um the number of cvs that i have depending on what projects i'm looking at because they're so different because i have a because i have the software background and then i have the the um you know the actual with my hands making things like i did a kickstarter that's only relevant to some people Hmm. um i don't consider it successful even though it was um mostly because um i made a i it was it was at a time in kickstarter when they didn't have a lot of tools that they have today one of those tools being um the ability to allow your users to update their address so if things take longer than um than you expect like i was not aware of the Chinese New Year being six to eight weeks long. So at the end of the year, when I go to put in my order, uh, nobody's responding. I'm like, we've been talking about this for the last few months. <laughs> Where are you guys at? And uh, yeah. China's so, entire country just dropped off the map. Pretty oh, much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, nobody answers It's anything. like you're up in August. Yeah. But they work <laughs> really, really hard. <laughs> Sorry. Yes, yes, it is. Yeah. Um, they work really hard the rest of the year um, so that they can afford to do that. And I was unaware, so I had to update people. And of course, by that point, some people will move and they'll email you. Also, you get users who um, don't feel comfortable giving their home address to Kickstarter. So I get a lot of like an example, one, two, three, Big Bird Lane. Um, and you're like, that's not. A yeah, how, how do we get your stuff to you? Yeah, so <laughs> there, there were some issues like that. Uh, some of it was just mistakes I made. So um, I was hoping for that Kickstarter to be the first of many, and then I realized after I was done with that that I, it was such a nightmare. I, I was so far in the hole. I ended up having to, I shipped a lot of stuff, and I, I didn't make any money. I actually was. And I didn't intend to make money on that one. That was going to be my, hey, I'm going to get my feet wet and learn how to do this. Learn so, to manufacture. So what was it? 
process. It was a, a small Arduino board. It was okay. a $5 Arduino board. So at nice. the time, it was groundbreaking. This was over four years ago. Um, and it had it had two different parts. It had the, um, the bootloader was separate. But it was mostly so that you could use it on something lightweight. It was very similar to just the dual Milanove. Yep. Um, so, and it was open source. I ended up giving out all my Gerber, Gerber files, which was my intentions from the beginning, so that people could replicate the project on their own. So, it it was successful in the fact that it taught me a lot about um, about crowdfunding and about dealing with you know tens of thousands of strangers that expect a product yeah. from you yeah like and it and it definitely um how big was your email inbox on like day one <laughs> it was big unbelievable and I, <laughs> I was very open about um you know the whole process yeah and and there were there were some responses that i received that were um not savory i actually ended up getting a few kickstarter users banned um, I had to make it, it turned into a very crazy thing at the end. Um, yeah, I almost got a restraining order against a guy who lived mm. in my city and, um, I had given my, my return address on the envelopes because I had nothing to hide. I mean, I pay my taxes and I vote. So I figure anybody <laughs> has my address, right? So, <laughs> so I had some guy had like threatened to show up at my door because he didn't get his five dollar Arduino board if he had paid fifteen dollars well no he had received it but he didn't get like one he couldn't get the bootloader to work and I guess he was trying to communicate with me quite a bit and I wasn't responding and uh, have you done a Kickstarter macrofab or have you done any? yeah uh, yeah not not through Kickstarter but we did a, a crowdfunding okay so project, so yeah. you're familiar with just how crazy how you need oh, yeah. to ask oh, yeah. for three times more than what you think it'll cost you. oh yeah 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 okay um and this person continued to harass me to the point where I had to get the LAPD involved and like I had his address <laughs> yeah right. and I had his name and unfortunately when he corresponded with me he had his small small daughter's uh, face as his profile image so as i'm like writing this this like <laughs> half angry letter back you know and i know that everything will probably you know like come out at some point so i'm trying to be as as uh, i'm not i'm trying to be very calm when i speak with him mm -hmm. and the whole time i'm responding to like a two-year-old little girl <laughs> it's kind of weird so anyway so kickstarter um i thought i was going to kind of go that path and do do manufacturing similar to what you guys do here at macrofab and then i realized that i don't have it in me to to manufacture um it just there's a lot mm -hmm. there the dealing with china i mean it i'm sure for people that really enjoy that it's very fulfilling um but it it was way too much for me so but hats off to you guys for being as successful as you are at what you do. Um, I actually connected with a company who's very similar to Macrofab out in Pasadena, California, that they do similar stuff that you do here, the uh, rapid prototyping and stuff like that. So, Well, and you guys also do, like, you do your own wave soldering, right, don't you? We, I we, know what you do. I'm just, do you do it? <laughs> I know what you do. And I've seen Chris Church give his interview, but you guys kind of do... For through hole, we, we, yeah, yeah, we you guys do all yeah. kinds of stuff. Like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. We 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 have all prototype? the capabilities. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Prototype. Yeah. Prototypes is a huge portion of it here. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So. Anyway, cool. so my point is, I found that to be very attractive, and then I, I learned by doing a Kickstarter that that was not, that was not where my um 
strengths lie. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of work. It's an enormous amount of work. So, so the, um, the, the robotics club. Yes. You started out in LA, right? Yeah. I started, uh, the Los Angeles robotics club, uh, in about 2008 ish. Mm -hmm. I think I became official in about 2010. Um, so was that, that's before the Kickstarter. Yes, that that's before, before the Kickstarter, Kickstarter event so even started. My friends kind of pressured me to do a Kickstarter ah. because, yeah, because it was the hip new thing, probably. Yes, it was the hip new thing. They were like, "Come <laughs> on, Annika, you're going to stay pressure. in LA." Yeah, they're <laughs> like, "Hacker you got, peer pressure." <laughs> you got to do a TED talk. You got to do a Kickstarter. Oh yeah, TEDx. Um, yes. Um, <laughs> Wait, have you done a TEDx? No, okay. I have had my arm twisted a handful of times um, too. Is that something you'd be interested in doing? Maybe. Maybe. At some point. I mean, I'm supposed to speak at South by Southwest. Cool. This next coming up, but I might have other things that are going on at the time. Sure. I'm not opposed to it. I was the um, maker guest of honor at Lost Con, and I had to get up on stage and give a talk. I've spoken at DeVry. I've done a lot of talks that were um, pertain to women in STEM. Um, I just don't. I don't know. I did a Kickstarter already. Isn't that like one? Yeah. I've got, yeah. is that yeah, like, what is it? It's There's like, like you've got your wings. You, it's yeah. like you're going down the list of like stuff makers what have are, to do. Kickstarters right there. Yeah. Kickstarter. There's, there's also, oh my gosh. I'm drawing. You have an article posted on Hackaday, right? Oh no. But I, my company was mentioned in my combinator. Oh, and okay. I had nothing. And yeah, I didn't, yeah, I didn't the submit other one. it. So. Yeah. 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 So. Um, what else would be on that list? Um, yeah. Hackaday. But my Kevin Bacon score on Hackaday is pretty high because most of my friends have been on there. So, well, I, so there or I've I've interviewed with Make Magazine a handful of times. Oh, so. sure, sure. Yeah, so. Well, I I, I would it. say you'd you'd probably have to somehow <laughs> create your own Arduino board. Mm-hmm. You'd have to three uh, D print something and then either blog about it okay. or have a YouTube video about it. Yeah. And then you'd also have to CNC something and do the same. Like those three right there would kind of like and then I'm put a maker. you. Yeah. Then then you're like and a, I like a pro was, maker. Yeah, and I was a maker guest of honor the first year that they had it at Lost Con, which is the LA Sci-Fi Fantasy Convention. It's my nerd cred. Um, and then, <laughs> and then I was the Google's. Um, I was one of the camp counselors for Google's um, uh, Maker, the Maker Fair. What do they call it? Oh my goodness, I'm drawing a blank. Um, the White House, their Maker Camp. Mm. I was like one of their camp counselors. There were eight of us. Ah, gotcha. There, so. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, I, so I've definitely made made my bones or got my wings or whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm a maker. Yeah. <laughs> Street cred. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the robotics club. Yes. Which one? L.A. or Houston? The L.A. ones you're so, not associated with anymore, right? Um, you're done? Not, no, I'm not. I passed that off to some people. There were some issues in LA. We had a lot of people that wanted to be involved. Um, but as soon as, but I had to bankroll the thing my, myself, which was mm-hmm. fine. But as soon as I'd ask people to help, there like nobody ever had time. So I think it was just a matter of in LA, there's, you know, the, the Pe- cost of living is so high. Wanted people wanted street cred without free. putting in the time. Yeah, or I think they a lot of people came to me and asked if I was hiring. It's like I don't have money. <laughs> it's like, I'm sorry. I'm like scrambling to pay nineteen dollars a month for the meetup group, you know, at mm-hmm. the time. Um and now with the Houston Robotics Club, um, I have an overwhelming just outpouring of 
physical support, not just, you know, pats on the back. Um, so to, to get to your original mm-hmm. question, the one in Los Angeles, I had, um, I kind of handed that one over to a group that was doing the quadcopters out there. And this was out, you know, four or five years ago when quadcopters weren't as big as they are now. Mm-hmm. Before kind the FCC got involved. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we... Um, before the government got rid of all our fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, before <laughs> stupid people could afford to purchase them and they do stupid things with them. And by stupid, I mean illegal and I mean unsafe. I don't mean I don't mean ignorant people that don't understand robotics. I mean people that don't care to look up the rules and they fly them over like White House lawns yeah. and you get over the freeway stuff like yes, that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Or they attach laser pointers to them and you know go into yeah. areas that are not that, supposed to be occupied. That's only acceptable when you're distracting cats. Yes, indoors. 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 Yeah. So yeah, so it's I all mean, in the rule book, right? It's all, yeah, so yeah, all in the rule the book. The LA Robotics Club got passed off to some friends of mine. Um, and then I ended up, um, you know, I moved here for my startup. I had gotten funding. I was trying to get out of California at the time, but I hadn't told anybody. I was looking for an opportunity out. And a uh, funny story the um, provost of Rice University contacted me through a website. It was a, um, I think, ladder. It was either ladders or wasn't LinkedIn. It was one of those job posting sites and it offered me more of a startup position. And I ignored his first email, not thinking he was serious because it seemed kind of a little too good to be true. Like, Mm. yeah, because he threw some numbers out there for startup capital. And I'm like, nah, that's not real. Um, And then he emailed me again through or messaged me again and said, hey, just so you know, and he sent a link to his bio at Rice and said, I'm actually legit. I thought he was a headhunter. And um, so, you know, I, I was reading through his information. Not the alien versus predator kind. No, <laughs> <laughs> no I thought he was like a, like, um, you know, that works. Yeah, yeah, a yeah. Job yeah. searching. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, an employee finding company. Um, Contractor kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah, and then, so he had sent me another message and said, hey, just to let you know, I'm serious. And he threw in some some buzzwords like you know 3d printing whatever cloud mm. probably exactly cloud. <laughs> the cloud. we would like to upload you to the cloud yeah uh, and there's <laughs> a lot of money in the cloud yes. yeah and uh coin there's coin at there's, some point yeah. yeah anyway so my point um so i responded to him and we ended up taking it over to email and then phones and then um one of his close investor friends who's a woman i don't know if you're familiar with nancy ching She's out here. She sold her her first company um, for nine hundred million. Mm. Her second company she sold for close to a, a billion, and then um, doing uh, HIV or AIDS research and medication. She sold it to um, Genentech. What's the name of the company? Anyway, multi billion dollar company. Nancy Chang. Um, if you go Nancy Chang in Houston, you'll find a restaurant. Ironically, she's invested in a restaurant here, but it's not that one. So, ah. so she she was the one who told me um, that if I come out to Houston, they will give me whatever I need to get started. And I said, well, I need proper transportation because I was driving a twenty year old piece of poop at the time. Um, <laughs> and I I said, well, you know, I I have like a, a small list. Mm-hmm. You know, I said I mostly just want to make sure I have a place to sleep, food to eat, and transportation. I'm good. And so they flew me out here and things went really well. Our first round of funding came through like within a couple of weeks, our second round within a couple of months. And then we, um, we had not agreed on, um, being, 
um, acquired. I had to get my attorney involved and our company was acquired. And I didn't want that because this was my dream job. I mean, I was doing um, K through 12 engineering curriculum. And so um, it was a very sad time for me because when your company's being bought out, yeah, you're thrown tons of money and you know people people are happy for you because you'll never have to work again mm-hmm. but it was what i wanted to do with my life and mm-hmm. you know every time i there's a lot of articles that have been written about how like what actually makes people happy and it's usually not money i mean you need money to survive and you need you know to pay your bills and right but once stuff. you're past that you yeah then yeah. it's like you want sleep you want vacations you know you want family time things yeah. like that and money can only do so much um so I, I went through kind of a slight depression time, and I think for like a few months there, I was kind of sad, even though I had money finally. But um, a friend of mine contacted me and said, well, um, do you want to get involved in this other project that I had kind of tinkered with in Houston, or sorry, in Los Angeles, um, that's humanitarian, and that's Symbiobotics. So we formed a company around it, and it's um, my portion of it was going to be um, like sticking with the engineering and the open sourcing of a robot. It's a mining robot. And the mining robot, um, it, it doesn't mine yet. Right now it's just supposed to communicate with a rat. And the rat can smell TNT. Well, when you, when you say mining, not like drilling mining, like... No, well, it will eventually drill a tiny hole to... So let me let me back up and explain what I'm talking about now. Yeah. yeah. So I formed a company. You, you got to like robots okay. talking yeah, to rats. Yeah, and I think the, and beer, like, the beer is definitely... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoa hit me so um so so it's a it it's a small tiny little okay hole that it will drill at a later date right now he's communicating it's a rover looks very much well, like but but, but real quick let back up once again when you say mining you're talking about landmines land not like under the land earth landmines mining yes, yes. that's land what i was mines. going okay. it will go no more than a couple of feet under the earth because okay. the landmines are usually pretty shallow right so it searches for landmines not yes not just drills for ore. Okay, yes. so, so yes. okay, so I'm gonna get. I'm gonna guess the okay. rat, yes. right? Can smell TNT, mm-hmm. so he can detect where the landmines are at. Yes, and then he communicates. He stands up and does a little dance. The r- robot, there's the rover, yep. can see him, and the rover's name is Piper. That's the name we gave him. That's great. Before the show Silicon Valley, <laughs> that is, that is and fantastic. it is based on Pied Piper, but it has yeah. nothing. It had nothing to do with the show, uh, Silicon Valley. So you know what's going through my head right now? What? Like I see this little miniature, like Sherman oh, tank, cute. with cute. a rat out the top of it, and he's got like the old World War II helmet on, and he's like driving around you this could. little tank you could pull through the field. We, um, the the artist illustrations were done by the the same uh, the Chiodo brothers, which are the ones who did the puppets for. Do, do you have an World image Police. of this? I can go. Yeah, go symbiobotics.com. S y m b i o, botics b o t i c s. So, so, it, so, it, so to I guess actually uses... explain to your listeners what I'm talking about. Yeah. So we designed. Yeah. I designed. It pretty uh, much is them. a Sherman tank with yes, a exactly. with a with a rat sticking yeah. out the front of it. Oh, that is cool. So um, I designed. We designed this robot um, so that we were trying to get it so that it could detect metal plates or rounded objects because mm-hmm. a lot of times they use water bottles underwater or uh, sorry under dirt they use water bottle. I'm like getting my words all mixed up now. Um, something like like um, a spherical or yeah. a you know cylindrical object um, to put the, the shrapnel in. and yeah, yeah everything in it so um, so that when you disturb the ground it it explodes well that's going to be very complicated for us mm-hmm. especially because we're trying to get the price down because we're paying for this ourselves we yep. haven't sought funding because we don't know what direction we want to go I'd like to open source it and give it to the people 
I don't really want to make money with the project, which is why I'm trying to be very yep. inexpensive with everything. Um, and so the rat can smell TNT. So rat is a perfect sensor already. Mm. So we can use the rat and we can use camera vision with the robot to communicate and then give it a treat. And so a popo, if you go to, a, I think, a popo.org, A-P-O-P-O. I think I saw a documentary about rats being trained to find landmines. That's probably you know, a popo. I can, I can totally see the GitHub repository for this have a bill of materials oh, yeah. on it and the oh, first yeah. thing is rat i think our game no, trained, <laughs> no 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 trained specialized rat. trained rat trained rat yeah yeah, yeah no so, lie apopo.com um, yeah, that's, yes. that's it that's it yeah. finding landmines saving lives is their yes. tagline on the front so page. our robot works with their rats gotcha yeah that is cool so to to kind of bring this back to like the actual like giving information to people not just rambling um well, that's the, what we do best on this podcast. Okay. I just, well, yeah. you, you said beer, and I was like, huh? huh? Beer? Yeah, I'll do anything. Beer. Um, so it, the idea is that it works with the rat, and then later we can mine, <laughs> yeah. like inject uh, a small amount of gel uh, that biodegrades the TNT. So gotcha. Most of it's organic matter. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a long process. So what we did, we decided to separate because I have the um, – I might want to go 501c3 with this at a later date, or I might just want to open source and give it away. Um, my partners, um, mostly Andrew McGregor, uh, he decided to form a separate company because he couldn't get my uh, my full attention at the time. I had a bunch of other things going on. Um, so I told him to form a separate entity. Um, it's called Umwelt. It's like Umlaut, but Umwelt. It's... Anyway, with a gentleman named Ian Ingram who is a, uh, he makes robots that do all kinds of interesting, um, uh, very entertaining. So he does robots that Wait, not Chuck E. Cheese, right? No, no, like that, <laughs> that will feed squirrels. Okay. And things that, like that. Okay, that so kind of very, entertainment. Very entertaining, and I guess he had a YouTube yeah. channel, so Andrew and he connected. In fact, speaking of, of TED Talks, um, <laughs> Andrew just gave a TEDx talk recently in Culver City. Oh, cool. Which is essentially Hollywood. That's where all the film studios are. And he, he's given numerous TED Talks, like TEDx Talks. Um, and he talked about this, and I didn't get to watch the whole video yet. But I think he is mostly just talking about what they're doing with Umbelt. Um, And they were designing um, sensors. Ian Ingram is a roboticist as well. And so um, they were designing things to – they're doing the hardware robot part, and then mm -hmm. I'm going to work on the um, taking the entire project and turning it into an educational platform for students – in the US and at some point in other countries, but kind of going with my contacts that I have here first to create like a, a curriculum mm -hmm. based on the robot and so that kids can learn um, education or sorry, kids can learn like engineering principles and electronics and get kind of educational value out of this while they're also um, figuring out how to improve it. So they could be our little test subjects. And they could be little engineers in high school. Mm -hmm. And then we could give that all of their findings to um, the people in like Tanzania, all over Africa. I mean, there's like 50 something countries over there. So there's a huge portion of the countries that are affected by landmines also in South America. But we haven't really dealt with that portion because um, most of our connections are in Africa. So via Andrew McGregor. Yep. So. That's a really long story to let you know that <laughs> my my interests um, have kind of gone more the humanitarian 
route and kind of what I'm doing with that. And I know it's kind of a weird thing to explain because I think this is the first time I've actually told somebody about it that wasn't like involved. So I'm still trying to hash out how to how to describe it without like, so there's a rat and a robot. Well, okay, so so how far along are you? I mean, do you have a rat robot already? Yes. They actually went to Tanzania to test this. And I think, um, and I'm waiting to hear back on their funding. And like I said, that's for Umbel, their company. Um, and then that's going to work. And then, so my idea for the educational stuff, I'm making progress on here in Houston. And I'm getting 501c3 status for the Houston Robotics Club, which is a club that I started here. And I think I'm kind of telling the story backwards right now. That's fine. Like I'm guessing what's so. go, what's going to happen is the robotics platform is going to be for, you know, helping kids learn robotics in the Houston Robotics Club. Yes. Yes. Because we're going to be doing out, outreach um, with young people, like mentorship programs and mm-hmm. educational programs that are free of charge, uh, especially kids that um, what I really want to focus on are kids that wouldn't usually um, we don't want to f- in the past have always focused on either race or gender, you know, like we focus on minority children or little girls or kids that are impoverished. Right now we want to focus on kids that have an interest Mm -hmm. because I find that when you try to target a specific identity, you end up passing over a bunch of kids that maybe don't meet the criteria you thought needed it, but they do. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Um, You know, like a middle-class white boy who's interested in robotics has just as much um, need for something like that because a, a lot of people like, from what I've learned from teachers, a lot of middle-class kids, their parents have enough so they don't qualify for any kind of grants or services. Um, They make too much money for that, but they don't have an extra couple of hundred a month for robotics projects. So we're trying to reach out to just kids that are interested, not Mm -hmm. in, like I said, in the past, I've I've targeted specific groups and I think that I kind of overlooked certain demographics that I didn't think, uh, it's very easy for people to just say, oh, well, they don't really need help, but... um, you know, and I think that's also um, our group is very diverse, like extremely diverse. If you ever want to show up to the Houston Robotics Club, and um, even in our views, like we all um, approach problems from a different angle. And I'm, I'm very careful not to um, shut down people who I don't agree with, which is very difficult, <laughs> especially when you're in charge. It's very easy to say no, you get out of here, but. Um, so I think having that kind of viewpoint diversity, mm-hmm. um, heterodoxy, I guess is the term. Is that, is that a word? Uh, Google it. <laughs> I think it's a word. I just made it up if it's not. Um, how, how big is the club? Oh, so according to Meetup, we have like a thousand people. Wow. We we're not that big. We have um, less than a hundred that are actual core people that show up. Um, we have a lot of interest. But right now we're pursuing 501c3 so that we can get um, funding outside of yep. my bank account because mm-hmm. right now I've been paying for everything and I have had people uh, like companies like NOV and Shell that I know would be willing to donate to us if if we qualified for the funding yep. through 501c3 so it's kind of a 501c3 is very difficult because you have to prove that you can afford to do it without money which I, I can do but then um, it's there's it's a balancing act sure like they don't want you to um they don't want you to get 501c3 status if you can't afford to keep it going. So if you're kind of busted broke and you're um, like your pen. Yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> That's okay. Parker just he broke, breaks his, he like breaks right his pen right as I say that. Um, <laughs> if, you're, um, 
if you're having an issue, um, <laughs> if you're having an issue keeping the lights on, then you're probably not a good candidate for 501c3, mm-hmm. which sucks. Cause so it's a like lot of, you have to be barely there. Or you have to have enough money to get started. Like I, yeah. we have an attorney. We have, you know, a lot. It costs a lot of money to get 501c3 mm-hmm. status. Mm-hmm. But you can't accept money um, that's a tax write-off for somebody until after. So it's kind of like I've had companies that have said, oh, well, yeah, we could add you to our list of people we donate to. I'm like, but can you do it now so I can afford to get you know, because it's expensive. Um, yeah. But I know that I know that if we never get a penny from now until whenever, um, I know that I can afford to keep the lights on, and I know that I can afford to. Um, I know that I can afford to do all the things that are in our mission, and a lot of it is because we have so many great people, and we have TXRX to give them a shout out. They're a makerspace here in Houston, mm-hmm. and they've been extremely generous with their space. And as soon as I created the meetup without even reaching out to them. Um, Gabby, their uh, director there, had um, reached out to me and said, hey, if you need a space to get you started, um, we're here. We'll let you, you know, do your first few meetups here. And we've been there ever since. So, But I also, um, I had purchased a bay, like space there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I got a bunch of my members to help support them so that they can afford to keep us there. So we're not, you know, a, a leech. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, we've we've shouted out uh, TXRX a lot. Yeah, so. they're really good. Um, they've also been involved in a lot of the Harvey cleanup. If you go to, I think it's, oh my goodness, um, HarveySeminars.com or .org, one of the two. Um, Ronnie DeVries, who is one of the big, yeah. you know, big guys there. He taught me how to weld. <laughs> really? He's taught a lot of people how to weld. Yeah. He, he's a good welding teacher. I've not taken his class. I learned it. If you're in Houston college. and want to learn the weld, yes, that's that's go to TXRX. If you're in Houston and want to learn to do anything, check out TXRX. Uh, dot it's TXRXlabs.org. They are also a 501c3. So if anybody wants to donate money to a group that just in general helps the community, they've been helping with Harvey cleanup, like mucking. They've been helping with education. They help with all kinds of things. They also sponsor other small groups like myself. Um, if you just make a donation to them that money will go to a good cause. So I think that's, they're, they're the second largest uh, in, in terms of space. Yes. Square footage. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Number one New is York, the one right? in New York. Okay. I think so. Yeah. Ooh, what What's their name? Uh, no Labs? Or is that? Let me look it might up. Be think, okay. Anyway. I know there's a brewery called No Label. Oh, no, Null. Oh, Null. Okay. So TXRX is funny because it's actually the power, like, TX, like signal. Yeah. And people just, I have people all the time say, what does RX stand for? If you know what TXRX stands for, transfer I think they're, receive. They're, I think they're is that probably, it? Transmit and receive. I think they're probably thinking TX stands for Texas. Ex- I think that's what they were doing. Yeah. It's like, ah, I see. I had thing. to actually make that's the same. That's the joke.com. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Insert wish, wish uh, yeah. gif. Um, maybe we were wrong about this. Apparently, uh, uh, Google says the largest makerspace on the planet is in Columbus, Ohio. 65,000 square feet. That's like a grocery store and a half. So, A large grocery okay. store. Columbus, Ohio. A lot of makers. What's what's that makerspace called? Um, the largest makerspace in the world. Square footage? <laughs> uh, what is it called? Oh, uh, Columbus Idea Foundry. Okay. But this was 2014, it was saying. Oh, so yeah, no. In internet be... years, that's like... Oh, yeah, that's ancient, right? Yeah. So, But the, it is the first 
the first thing on the on the googly so yeah so i talked about my robotics club yep which and is my big project right now w- when do you all meet uh we meet on saturday saturdays at 1 30 every saturday yes every saturday unless obviously not on christmas day you really want to um we're also going to be doing um live live casting or i guess that's the wrong term we're going to be live streaming our um our meetups um and at a later date we'll start posting those right now it's been enough just to have um our robot stuff going um but we have a telepresence robot named ariel and we'll probably use her when she's actually working uh and then there's maker fair coming up are you Mm -hmm. guys going to be there i thought so because you're local. And you don't have to be a member of TXRX to show no. up, right? Okay. No. Oh, for oh no. Not at all. Yeah. It would be nice um, if if somebody wants to take classes and such. We obviously promote TXRX. Sure, sure. Because if it weren't for them, we would be scrambling for a location. And they, like I said, I really can't speak highly enough of them. Even if they kicked me out tomorrow, I'd still be saying, go to TXRX. <laughs> they, have, they have really good classes, like you said, welding. They teach leather crafting. My friend Summer is a leather crafter. Um, you can learn to do laser cutting, CNC, um, huge machine shop there. Um, the people that run TXRX actually uh, maintain everything themselves. We've actually, we've had, uh, we've had some work done uh, okay. for some of our customers over there. Really? Yeah, we've Doing had some, um, uh, some laser engraving okay. on some on, some on that giant, that giant machine they have in the front. The yep. Yeah. Thing's a beast. It is. It's the size of a car. So yeah, TXRX is over on the east side <laughs> yeah. of, of uh, downtown. Yes, it's actually east downtown. It's Robert actually, Street. Yeah, it's, it was really close to our old location. Yeah, yeah, just down the street from us. You guys have one of those warehouses over there? Uh, we were right next to Eighth Wonder Brewery. Oh, I like that area. That was a uh, 1100 Hutchins block. Okay. We used to be at. We actually used to be right next door to Eighth Wonder when Eighth Wonder yeah. started. We were at 1207 Hutchins Street, which was right next door. Okay. Which is that was, more closer to Midtown or no? Maybe not. Right well, across it's, it's right where TXRX used to be over on Commerce. Okay. I didn't go there back then. When I when I showed up, I think they'd only been around for four or five years. Okay. So. This that place was um right across the street from the George R. Brown Convention Center, which okay. is where Makeup Fair is at. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they converted it into a Harvey makeshift shelter mm-hmm. um for now, and then I guess everybody's gonna be <clears throat> sorry. Everyone's either going to be at energy or hopefully home um yep. you know relocated before um maker fair so which is october 20 i don't know what 21st okay yeah it was Man, the beginning it's crazy i mean not to get all super hung up on the hurricane or anything i was i was actually driving to parker's house yesterday i mean this is weeks after the hurricane yeah. and there's still parts of Standing houston that water. are completely shut down and yeah. still underwater yeah it's 80, crazy about 80 percent of my my uh, neighborhood was underwater so yeah i'm sorry and we're talking about we're not talking about like neighborhood streets we're talking about major highways are yeah. still shut down from yeah. that crazy it's also i mean there's there's you know we can do a whole podcast about the um about just the hurricane but um it, it's also the type of water that was coming into homes. A lot of people just think, oh, it's water, it dries up, and it's gone. Well, I mean, like, I I don't like to talk about my losses in the flood because uh, I lost hardly anything compared to most people. Like, I had a lot of peat moss wash out of my landscaping, and I lost all my edible vegetables, and then I had some water damage in my house. But it wasn't, it wasn't rising water. Mm. It was, you know, ceiling, mm-hmm. and my entrance is covering it. It's fine. And then there, you know, there's psychological damage that I didn't expect. 
um it the like i was earlier today it started raining and i i just burst into tears Hmm. freaking out and i didn't expect that but um i was standing my recording studio has like glass french doors that go to the outside so you hear everything Mm um and i just heard the the rain which was okay and then it just started pouring and i could hear it on the porch behind me and i just started to panic because you get that like what what if it comes back Mm. (laughs) you know and um, i'm fortunate that my area uh has really good drainage which is something i complain about all the time open ditches of (laughs) of rice military it's like hey come to rice military buy a million dollar house with an open ditch yep (laughs) million dollar townhome i should say (laughs) it's not even a house three-story nightmare well and and it's not just the water it's the sewage that gets in the water that just makes everything unsavory yeah yeah and that's why i had to throw out all my edibles my tomatoes drown but my herb garden i I was going organic right because i started over with landscaping so i went ahead and had him do it organic just for the hell of it that that was the one thing because i was helping you know my neighbors clean up and stuff and i'm like here's a box of 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 nitrile gloves I'm like, we want yeah. to wear these. So I helped with the rescue efforts on Twitter with the Harvey SOS. Um, I was helping coordinate uh, the Navy, the, the NOLA, the Cajun Navy. Ah, yes. Excuse me. Um, I was helping coordinate that with rescue efforts on Facebook and Twitter. And um, then that turned into helping with donations. And so a lot of the people in my neighborhood were filling their garages with donations. And I had posted, I made a wedding registry on Amazon so that people could donate to it. Um, I was getting, yeah. And I was going on asking, okay, what are the things that people need the most? Um, Because at the time going to the stores was, you know, impossible. Yeah. And they were, they were all out. So they said, you know, uh, clean underwear, which is something a lot of people take for granted, feminine products Mm -hmm. or, or masculine. No, I don't want to, don't want to offend anyone. An old friend Um, of mine completely, they lost everything. Yeah. And, and you know what? Socks was one of the biggest things for them. Like we've got fresh pair of socks. Yep. So I, yeah, I used Amazon and I ordered, um, giant gallons of Lysol, Pine Sol, um, the masks, the paper masks, not the not the respirator masks, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but just the you know the ones that you can do while you're just kind of cleaning up dust. Yeah, um, those are just all kinds of stuff and um, just hauling stuff where it needed to go. Um, it was pretty crazy for about two weeks there, burning through adrenaline, trying yep. to help people out. You know, getting getting complete strangers call me and say, "Hey, I found your number on a on a Facebook post somewhere. Somebody said to call you," and it's it's weird how we go from being so protective of our information to doxing ourselves in a matter of moments because, <laughs> because people need our information. But yeah, I doxed myself completely um, during Harvey. You know, we were giving out our home addresses saying, come over here, you know, on Twitter. Um, but it was, you know, for a good cause. Yeah. So. Yeah. And we're still dealing with the mess. And I think Station Houston, are you familiar with them? They're yeah. the local. Um, they've got a few projects. I don't know exactly but they've got a few projects that they're working on that are app-based um, data um, to help with future problems, okay. like um, coordination and stuff like that. Um, don't know how much you want to talk about the Red Cross. <laughs> <laughs> hey, anything's fair. They, uh, let's just say TXRX could take over the Red Cross and do a better job than they do. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, in fact, they did. Uh, Ronnie DeVries himself was in charge of over 20,000 volunteers or wow. 20,000 people. Um, at 
the GRB. They um, that's incredible. Yeah, there's I because I'm friends with a lot of the TXRX um, people. They um, all of their Facebook updates I was getting in my feed, and it was just you know Red Cross post after Red Cross post about please don't donate to them. They're they um, apparently didn't get a whole lot of small children. So they had diapers piled up and they had small stuffed animals and children's clothing. Diapers is the big thing. That's like invaluable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's like cash. Um, and they had it stacked up to the ceiling and they said, please stop donating diapers. They're causing a fire hazard because they had nowhere to put them. Um, yet there were people across town who I was going to CVS to buy diapers for complete strangers with a newborn. But GRB has like thousands of boxes, uh, cases of these things. And, hmm. Um, they weren't, they said that it's against their policy to just donate them. And, you know, I was trying to communicate with a couple of the people there, um, and say, well, look, I have another 501c3, it's TXRX, could you donate them to them? And then they could disperse mm-hmm. them and they're like, it's against our policy. So sounds they, like, um, sounds like bureaucracy getting in the way of hell. I think that's, I think that's what the problem is, um, is that they're too big. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. They're, yeah, I don't know if they've ever dealt with a natural disaster i don't know if that's their forte but (laughs) (laughs) or or natural disaster in like you know the states yeah um yeah so anyway they um i i did hear some personal stories from them that were really heartwarming and you know people saying that they helped them quite a bit so i'm sure there are people that they're very good for and you know they they had the grb open Mm. and they're really good at getting supplies donated um you know i was i was calling out tampon companies on twitter saying hey you guys want to (laughs) help like (laughs) and uh you know things like that um actually so that's another thing not to get too graphic but a lot of people don't realize um that like there were new mothers that had just given birth right before and there's you know healing processes that normally take place in the comfort of a clean home and so women are trying to learn how to nurse. And so that was kind of a focus of mine for a while because you know, I have children, is that there are all these people that just had babies and that have small children. And so um, children's clean underwear, undergarments, um, getting things for kids that were clean, that were um, needed, you know, women's products, things like that were really important. Diapers and wipes. And the good thing about wipes is you can use a diaper wipe in Purell and kind of take a quick shower mm-hmm. if you need. Yeah, that was that was I would say taking a shower, like the because my power was out for for about a week uh, and a half, and uh, but I had no I had a gas heater for my water heater. Yeah. That's probably the only reason like I didn't sleep here at the fab, because we don't have a shower here. Yeah. <laughs> so I would go home and just like cause there's no power, no nothing, you know. We had what was called the um, we had like you know people had generators and stuff, um, but at night you know. All you could hear was just generators at night, and I had. Hey, this you live in a neighborhood with people with generators. Yeah. Are they preppers? Because that's <laughs> no, not. No, no. I'm just no, saying that's not normal. No, no. Uh, actually, actually a lot of my neighbors are okay, engineers. Yeah. But the thing is, they're really loud, and you have yeah. to sleep with the windows open because there's there's. It's gas. Yeah. Yeah. And so what we did is, I have my generator is a little tiny Honda, so yeah. it's really really quiet. You can actually just ha- it can be running right here, and yeah. you wouldn't. Well, you probably would hear it on the mics, yeah. but uh, <laughs> it's actually fairly quiet. And so we would run it at night, and I basically went up and down the street asking for ascension cords, and I made what well, I dubbed the Parker Power Grid. 
and basically was running just fans <laughs> in people's living room in, in their um, bedrooms. Box fans? Box fans in their bedrooms just so they would have moving air at night and not hear the <laughs> all night long of their generator. God. So, so and that was one of the things is basically people would just my, my only requirement was that you had to provide gas for at least one day. Yeah. So, because it would burn through about three gallons of gas a day. So. Yeah. Gosh. So a friend of mine lives in Bel Air. Bel Air has a lot of really nice houses, especially in in his particular street. And um, watching Facebook updates was stressful. People, you know, one person after another. Well, we're we're you know. we're moving. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it was really sad because you know some of them are people that I. I met through um, like Macrofab or, you know, through um, the Houston startup scene, um, like uh, startup grind. And they're people that you've met them a handful of times. You follow them on Facebook and all of a sudden they're losing their homes. And it's, it's so weird to see so many people going through the same tragedy at the same time. And some of them have a good, you know, it, outlook. It's on almost it. like they're numb. But then I had one friend who said, okay, well, it's time. You know, we're about a half an inch. Water's coming in. We probably won't have power. We'll try to check in with you guys tomorrow. Then the next update, the next day was, okay, we have no power. All of our neighbors are in our home right now because we're the only house that didn't flood. And it it was one of those, and I really care about this person a lot. He does, you know, he's one of my husband's best friends from childhood. And, um, you know, and the whole time in our mind, we're like, oh, man, do, you know, do we have anything we could help? them with you know and then um the next update being okay well the water came up and then it went back down it didn't come in the house but we don't have power so i think they went about 10 days no power and they had neighbors camped out and they said they they actually uh developed stronger friendships oh of course <laughs> because they you know they have complete strangers yeah, that, that we, we called it uh well this we was a, a hurricane party you yeah. just start emptying your freezer yes. out and cooking all the, the ribs, the Harvey 15. Brisket. You gained yeah. the Harvey 15. Oh yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. Well, because the thing is, because a lot of our neighborhood evacuated. Yeah, we emptied our freezer, and we. I was making every. Yeah. I just went through our pantry and ate everything. Yeah, that was like our our neighbors that, because I was fortunate enough where our house didn't get flooded, I but all our na- other neighbors did, and so we would go over there and start cleaning stuff out, but their freezer would still be frozen. And they would just have, um, and they would call them, hey, everything's good. You know, we, we're airing everything out and stuff. But your freezer's still cold, but we don't have yeah. power for it. But and did th- you have a gas stove or oven? Yeah. Okay. And, and we're barbecuing and stuff. And so, but they would allow us to eat their frozen food before That's it went bad. Fun. So That's awesome. Yeah. Like in one neighbor had like a really big wine cellar that... <sighs> And so we, I got to drink like a $400 bottle of wine. Yeah, a friend of mine. I had no idea where I was. I'm not a wine person, so I'm just like, uh, tastes that's good. the worst. <laughs> it tastes, it tastes good. good. <laughs> and everyone else there is just like, you know, because you know, I, I live in like most of the people in my neighborhood are like, most are retired at this point or like 50s, 60s. Yeah. So they're like, oh, it's got this tobacco flavor and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like... <laughs> I don't it, want my wine no, to no, have no. tobacco the, the, flavor. So, I think it's that a lot of the aroma that they put in wine, they also put in tobacco. Yeah. So like yeah. Um, clove. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Clove was another one. They just, yes. I, I was like, this, uh, this is how I explained that wine. I'm like. Tastes like grapes. No. No. <laughs> no. I was like, this tastes like if mulch smelt good. Mulch. Mulch. And so it's earthy tones. Earthy tones, which is tobacco-y. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. I was like, if you smell fresh mulch, it's like, like manure. It's not like the best smelling thing, but it's like if it if that smell peat moss. smelt good. I mean peat moss. I mean peat like moss. rotting plant or fecal matter. Both. 
He literally just said, if if fecal matter (laughs) smelled good, then it would be good. The mulch version of that. (laughs) I think you mean like peat moss. Yeah. Which has a very earthy, planty. Yeah. yeah, 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 If that smelled, like if you were like, that smells good. That's what it tasted like of that style acidic sea. Yeah. I'm a beer person. Yeah. Yeah. Acidity. Acidity. Yeah. Yeah, Right. So I brew kombucha. Oh, good. This is not a bottle that I brewed. I bought a bunch. Completely off topic. That would be no, really. That would be I, incredibly fancy if you brewed that. Feeling, bottle right there. Well, I almost brought one I brewed, and then I found one that I didn't, so yeah. I wanted to drink through it so I could use the bottle. I reused the bottles for my own, um, but I have a five-gallon urn. That oh, cool. I, that I I just Is it really called a mother. Scoby. Well, Sco- yeah. Mo- mother is for vinegar. Mother. Yeah. Uh. Um. I don't. I don't do vinegar. I hope I don't do vinegar. That means I left my kombucha <laughs> in there too long. But um. So I brewed it in college, and I was not drinking age. So um, we had the campus police show up and wonder. I, I just said brewing. So they uh. came by to see what I was brewing. They actually ran an alcohol test. They took some of it with them. Mm-hmm. I assume they ran an alcohol test. They never bugged me again about they, it. I was they, just a crazy they, hippie. They went out into the cop car and drank it. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. And like, <laughs> I think this is her urine. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so um, the thing is, so Parker and I both brew, yeah, and I'm totally fine with dumping all like 10 trillion yeast cells into my beer because they don't look like a jellyfish floating in there. Like it just like there's something uh, about kombucha that makes me feel like oh that thing well, is you like tried making some of that stuff well my out. wife did my wife she's so killed get... she's killed like three scobies uh, and so how. <laughs> <laughs> I so well, what, she doesn't have a scoby thumb. No, okay, so here's the thing. Okay. I've been brewing long enough that I know the general ideas around what it takes to keep something alive yes. and to give it like a, an environment. Sugar if you and if you warmth. read what but sanit- you have to be sanitary about what you do yes. and you have to treat it in a certain way. Yeah. If you, you read the instructions more. on the back of a like your first kombucha kit, it's like that is going to taste like dog shit. Like if you okay. just follow it to the T, there's, there's okay. like they don't they don't I, give you any sanitary steps. Okay. Um, I am very sanitary in everything I do. I'm yeah. kind of a germaphobe that way. Part of that has to do with you know having gone to school for surgery. Sure. You you know you become obsessed with cleanliness. That's that's another thing that she's done. Just gone to school for, okay. for surgery. Yeah, <laughs> I went to school for it. I ended up you know just racking up a bunch of debt and then going to do. Uh, make a game engine. Be a maker. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. actually make things that that if they die. You don't, you know, you don't feel too bad. Not as bad as if a patient dies. So I don't know. If I had to throw away a keg versus that, he's gone dark. Okay, so SCOBY (laughs) is an acronym for something bacterial colony something or other. Right. So it it floats on top. Well, it took me, I had two small, I had actually three smaller ones just, and I started mine from scratch. I never, I just created them. You didn't buy the hockey puck, the dried out No, I bought a bottle of... Kombucha. Um, of kombucha I was actually about to say has, I bought a bottle of kombucha which has the yeast ah, the stuff okay. in it yeah. and then I poured it in you cultured with, yes the culture okay. and then I I um, made your tea yes I made the tea with the sugar and then I poured a bottle of this in and I put it in a dry warm pantry for a couple of weeks you know you notice it starts to grow on top um, and it, it's not mold it's they call it a mushroom but I don't think it's really we, we, we call it krausen Okay. It's Krausen. it's like it's like is that German? it's like it, it looks like boogers growing on yeah. the top of the Mine beer. does not look like boogers. Mine <laughs> looks like plastic, like a thin piece of film. You know, you know, it's 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 really like goopy protein. The bo- yeah. so the older it gets, the more goopy 
it gets. Mm. Um, I think that's yeast strains. You know all the brown stuff that floats at the bottom? Mm -hmm. That's yeast. A lot of people think it's tea sediments. They think it's uh. the, the tea because it's brown. Yeah, it's no, not. It's, it's, it's yeast. It's the bug. Yeah, yeah. As I, I was about to say, is, <laughs> this is, is a weird. Is you were, we're going all yes, over the place. Is, no, as, as you said, you created it. And I'm like in my brain. I'm like, and then there was light. I birthed <laughs> it. Yes, I birthed <laughs> it. And then you're like, oh, I cultured it. I'm like, okay, yeah. that's a little better. <laughs> so I started it. Um, I've never purchased a scoby. A lot of people will buy a, a starter mm. scoby. Yeah. Um, I just started mine from scratch. Is it like sea monkeys? No, sea monkeys are a. No, that's no. That's, I'm like, it's on. your first. Oh yeah, no, you yeah. sea monkeys. You don't. <laughs> I was like, like you flip into like a magazine in the back. It's like your first scope. Uh, yeah, along with your X-ray vision, X-ray vision goggles, <laughs> and uh, what else do they sell in those things? Uh, yes. Yeah, decoder yeah. rings. Yeah, there, there it is. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, to get back on the kombucha, <laughs> I liked the idea of brewing, and a kombucha is something that I feel comfortable creating mm -hmm. um and I, I like to drink it i think it tastes good i'm like the one weirdo at whole foods who actually likes the taste of it <laughs> and then um i do want to get into brewing beer yeah and so i'll probably hit you guys up awesome you let's do it do a youtube video with me in my kitchen yeah, yeah. we'll brew some beer yeah that'd be awesome so we've we've been talking about having like a big brew day yeah uh where we brew double batches each one of okay. us would so do like 20 gallons in a day oh my God. you know so so how long does it take for a a batch? Because oh, you bottle it and then it continues to yeah, to yeah. digest the sugars. Of course, the bottle, it depends right? on what you're brewing, but in okay. general, from brew day to the first time you drink it and you're like, oh, this is yeah. actually good six now. Six weeks. Six weeks is is like that's the, a long time. It is. Mine's seven to ten days turnaround. Yeah. So, on a so four yeah. Gallon, there, there was yeah. an idea Stephen and I had to do a there's there's a a online guy brought. Brewlosophy. Yeah, brewlosophy, and he did a experiment, a brew, he brew experiment. Sounds like a guy. Ex experiment who... is what he calls experiment. That's, That's it. precious. Yeah. yeah. And what he sounds did... like a guy who doesn't wear a shirt, <laughs> right? His hat backwards. Yeah. Yeah. I think he, I think he's just like I, I think he he's actually puns. a he's a psychiatrist in Portland or something like that. Of course, uh, he's in Portland. Yeah, that's that's his day job. But he drinks an enormous amount of beer and brews an unreal amount of beer. But his oh. his his. So I, what are the laws? Just not to cut you off, but you said that you want to have a brew day here. How many gallons can you brew before you need a license? Two hundred in a year is what a for one individual. For one individual, one individual. and that sounds like a lot. But so, if you're doing, I drink that. Podcast. <laughs> um, but but if you if you have like people over to drink beer yeah. on a generally regular basis, like if you had someone over to your yeah. house twice a month, uh, you could go through 120 gallons of beer. Yeah, I Easy. think yeah. my second year I brewed beer, I was brewing every other weekend, mm -hmm. and I got up to 160 gallons somewhere around there. I brewed that. I think it was like 2013. I got yeah. the, and then of course you go to old like the brew events and stuff like the local brew shop yeah we'll have like events like once a month and then people had like like badges almost like i'm an outlaw yeah home brewer because i brewed over 200 gallons this year like doing five gallons it's kind of hard to get up to that number at a time but a lot of people brew you know 10 gallon batches or yeah. 15 gallon batches since i already have if it's six to eight weeks that might be too long i was gonna say i could remove my scoby from my current tank and then, um, yeah. What are you What are you bringing over here? 
uh, just getting another beer for yourself. Yeah. You didn't offer any to the ladies. There's one. <laughs> there, there is one right here. I was grabbing the secret one in the back okay. of the room. A shiner. Yeah. So the um, so back to that thing is, yeah. this guy experimented with fermentation temperatures. Okay. Which makes that's like the biggest thing is the temperature, right? The temperature of the beer when you ferment yeah. it, like pitch temp and yeah. all that stuff, and the uh, the big thing he found out was when you brew it's the initial pitch temp in the first three days of That's the temperature right, yeah. okay and then when you the reason can why you automate that with an arduino yes you absolutely yeah. can so the thing craft beer pie yeah you could 3d yeah. print something yes <laughs> and it's the the first three days matter and then if you creep the temperature up you can finish the beer faster without the off flavors forming so the something about what what state the yeast are in? Yeah, it's, it's you... the ratio of how much sugar to how much yeast is left yes. over. If they start off at the right temperature, then they don't produce the bad flavors. But then if you ramp them into the danger zone later on, they, there's no so sh- much yeast that they won't produce the bad flavors. And you can accelerate uh, the fermentation yeah. safely without yeah. making bad flavors. So like, um, what I want to do is do a 14-day really? to drink pale ale, including okay. dry hopping. Sorry, I'm not a fan of pale ale. You know that was like poor people beer, right? And I don't like lobster. I don't like I don't like lobster or shrimp or shellfish. And then I learned that at one point they used to feed lobster to like the slaves. Oh yeah, they were the cockroach of the sea. Yes. Yes. I've I've always wanted to make a beer that is done in seven days, and you can do a beer. And I wanted to name it one week beer. Because you have to make it oh, weak in terms of its, uh, that's, that's its sugar precious, content. though, because that's such a pun. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. So like one one, one day I will make that, but. Oh, I like that. That's so, No, that's actually really awesome. Yeah. Or you could do. Um, so what what are the types of beer that you prefer? I myself like um, Belgian style wheat beers because I'm a girl when it comes to drinking alcohol. <laughs> There's a misconception that those are, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing air right quotes now. here, girly. Because they don't contort your face when you drink them. <laughs> that doesn't happen to me. You don't get crow's feet from. Okay, well let's put it this way. I got way. burned out on IPA in 2005, I think. The, um, the, I drank way the too much. first beer that Parker and I ever brewed, which yeah. which was like a week after I started at Macrofab, we brewed a beer that was 15.2 percent alcohol, and it was like drinking motor oil, and yeah. it was amazing. It was it was really good. We called it death because we yeah. were trying to brew one beer for each uh, horse of the apocalypse, and so we started oh, with death. That's fresh. And then we tried to do pestilence, and that you guys it, have really really neat ideas for beer. <laughs> we should start it. So my next project, actually, like, give me a pen. I'll scratch off all this humanitarian stuff. We're gonna make beer. <laughs> yeah. You have my broken pen. Yeah. Hey, beer is incredibly humanitarian. It pu- it brings yeah. people together. Yeah. Well, what was it? The the fact that society could exist is because alcohol was. They figured out how to ferment things. Yeah. A long, yeah. long time ago. Well, it's healthy for your gut flora, too. Well, beer, maybe not so much, but like sauerkraut, you know, that's all of that. That's actually what started my uh, my liking of kombucha, was that I was a teenager and I was having some, I don't need to go into details, but I was having some issues and somebody suggested that I introduce new gut flora and they were, they had their PhD in it. So I was like, okay. So I tried it and it, fixed the problem and I haven't had the problem since um but it I like the taste mm-hmm. and the other thing that I like about it is that um when I have a diet coke addiction I, I like caffeine but I don't like coffee so it turns into me either drinking a ton of iced tea or 
uh, soda, which is what most people have around. Um, so I end up uh, drinking kombucha and it takes away the desire, even though it doesn't have a lot of caffeine in it. Um, it has just enough so is that I get a mouthfeel, the carbonation. I love the carbonation. Yeah. That's, that's why I'm addicted to soda. Um, and so I've been trying to get healthier, mm. you know, so I've been running at Memorial Park and drinking kombucha like a, like a person from California. <laughs> as long as you don't start eating kale. Oh, wait, she's oh, thinking about oh, it. <laughs> Have you had dried salted kale? It's actually really good. I've had seaweed that's that way, which is very tasty. Yeah, seaweed it's very chips. similar. Kale chips are really good. I mean, I know that sounds cliche to say, but... My, my favorite statistic about kale is before it was a big food fan, a uh, food fad, maybe it's a thing now. Yeah. Um, it was like the number one use of kale was, or a purchaser of it was like CC's pizza to garnish the like food bar. Is oh, you mean like the, the the thing that they put underneath? Yeah, like CC's around pizza? it. Oh, CC's. I think I've seen the commercial. CC's yeah. Pizza is a buffet that has been in it's, it's a, it's for a pizza like buffet decades. Place. Are they're in Dallas as well? Yeah, right? they're all over the place. Okay, CC's Pizza, all you can eat for only two ninety nine. Is, is it CC's? Yeah, yeah, C I C I. And we yeah. wonder why we have a an obesity epidemic. Yeah, you know, Houston was the. F- fattest city in north america like five or six years ago what, what is surpassed we're proud of it um, though i don't know but the, like the funny thing is it <laughs> lost it that crown right when my friend matt moved away from houston so i would joke <laughs> <laughs> i would joke that once he moved he, it was no move, longer did he move to the city that is now he the, moved to san francisco oh so yeah. where that's skinny. not the fattest yeah that's city. not the baddest like, they walk everywhere and they're poor because a quarter million dollars a year doesn't get you shit stuff poop stuff things <laughs> so yeah. anyway so um cc's pizza garnish yes was what kale was used for yeah i do not like a lot of fresh kale um i do like it if it's in kale salad with okay here's another one quinoa i'm sure you guys i have, I have no quinoa idea what that is awesome. quinoa I have no idea what and kale, <laughs> if you make like okay so yeah it's, 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 it's like, almost it's like, like a, a little lentil kind of yeah, yeah similar to how tapioca is but it has a tiny little okay to show you it looks like quinoa quinoa yeah you can buy it at all the trader joe's and all that so it's, you know it's i've a actually brain. never walked into a trader's joe really? jackson mississippi okay is the fattest city what are we talking about now oh okay the I'm fattest sorry. city <laughs> sorry i've got the google they're, they're made of yeah, kale we, we've got on so many tangents so all of their pizza comes so on kale kombucha kale was used as a, a platter like a doily right okay, kale was yeah. used as a doily at cc's pizza mm-hmm. and quinoa but I've had kale and quinoa salad with like other things in it, and it was really good. So, if you don't know what you're eating as health food, sometimes you'll accept it better, and you'll be like, "Oh, this is pretty good. What is this?" And they're like, "Actually, that's fair trade organic." <laughs> Do you work at Whole Foods? No, I should. I should get a job there. Yeah. I worked. Can you be working for Whole Amazon Foods. Now. Actually, has a really good kale salad. They do. It, yeah. That's probably where the one. It was it at a house party. Really so it must be the most hipster thing I ever heard Stephen say. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 some, it's good. Some items. I know that everybody assumes that you know if you shop at Whole Foods, that means you're rich. And some of their items are actually worth the extra, like kombucha. I can't find like no matter where you go, there are certain things that are going to be the same price. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping that Amazon buying them out is going to make their stuff. More. It's supposed to drop the, the cost on a lot yeah. of things. There. We're getting an Aldi here. Are you familiar with them? Yeah, are we really? 
Yeah, um, they so history of Aldi. If anybody cares, <laughs> Aldi is a grocery store chain. Um, they came out of Germany. Um, they came out of Germany in the uh, after World War Two, I guess. They were like a small chain, or they were a small store and turned into a chain. And um, the they are now trying to lower their prices by limiting their choice. And they find, I mean, you know, every ten years we learn something new about psychology. One is the more choices people have. Um, at one time we thought that was good like with dating dating apps we're yeah. going to talk technology the more options you have as far as cell phones but they're actually finding and maybe this will be refuted in another 10 years is that the le the fewer choices you have sometimes the happier you are um like if you well, have it's, fewer, it's yeah it's easier yeah, to make a decision like three yeah. or, well as long as they're good choices obviously yeah. under communism where you only have one choice or death that's not <laughs> that's not good but um but if I have, well, think about it. How many times have you gone in to buy something and you're like, oh, man. And so you go researching on your phone. I buy a lot of things on Amazon, so I usually just go by what's cheapest and has the most stars. Um, but for a lot of people, whether it be in dating or whether it be with food selection, um, I've used, this is another tangent, have you used any services like Instacart or any of the like yeah. food where they deliver food to you from the grocery store? Yeah, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of times what they do is they have you pick like down to the brand, down mm -hmm. to the ounces, down to all that that you want. So it's exactly what you want. But then they'll say, okay, if that's not there, do you want us to get you something else? Or like, are you dead set on that particular brand or do you care? But the when you're going through those types of, choices you realize you're like i really don't give a shit right at first i wanted organic basmati this particular blah 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 and i wanted you know i clipped a coupon and then you get to where you I, I don't care just give me rice and then it it cuts out that extra few minutes of of having to like think about it and process anyway it, he took a bathroom break we're talking Somebody about brandless, right? Okay. Well, not yet. Yeah, I'm, oh. I'm talking about like um, <laughs> what I was talking about was that like choices, and I mentioned Aldi grocery stores, and one okay. way that they're going to bring down prices, um, local to Houston, but you know in other areas as well, is um, by limiting choice. So they only have, so they sell only a couple of brands of one item, but they they're probably going to, you know, vet the companies. They're not just going to uh, spin a wheel. Um, so well, have have you heard of brandless.com? No, I haven't. Uh, okay, so is it like generic? I generic? <laughs> so, so what it is, what okay. it is, is they've tried to take that exact concept and go okay. even further with it. And so, like peanut butter, there's no brand of peanut butter. You just say peanut butter, and everything's three bucks because you don't have to pay any brand price on things. Kleenex isn't Kleenex; it's just a it's, facial tissue. It's and like, like a generic. It's so it's everything on this website is brandless.com. Brandless.com. So you go really there. You want whatever chips are just I'll have chips. To use it. Yeah. What's interesting about this, this was actually a thing in the 60s, if I recall, of generics. And it would actually look just like those labels where it's a the white black label white. Yeah. with a white, like, the famous one is the beer. And oh, he, yeah, it just says yeah, beer on the front. If you look up yeah. generic beer, it's yeah. a can of beer that just says beer in a black. Did these have nutrition labels and all of Probably that? Probably not. That. Really? It's before yeah, that, yeah. Yeah, there, there you go. Generic beer. It, yeah. it's, a, it's a white can that has beer written on the front. With how much fluid ounces in it. I would have loved that during probably. my minimalism yeah. phase. Oh, but yeah, now I'm yeah, more yeah. of a... Yeah, I think that was the 60s. Wow. So that was a big thing back then, and then... Um, you, I guess oh, wait, they have a different one. They have light beer also. Yeah. Um, so I guess it's certain that phase is starting to come back. It's It's a... It's like all fads. It comes yeah. comes in cycles. It's like um, a hula hoop. 
but they are kids so, don't play with that right Maybe. I used to hoop with fire. Fire That's a completely that? different kind of toy yeah. than just yeah. a regular fire hooping or fire poi. Yeah. I was what, never. What was, a, the, what was the one you wore around your ankle and you used oh, to spin it around? Skip, skip it, skip it, skip, skip it. it. Is that skip it? it? And it had like a counter. Yeah. What was the Saturn it? ball with the ring that you'd put? Pogo ball. Yeah. yeah. See, this ask is the girl. Totally nineties kid. <laughs> I'm actually just because I actually didn't have any of these toys, so I just remember the commercials. Yeah. I was born in the eighties. You can tell because I have a scar on my chin. Everybody yeah. had one of those. Everyone, yeah. Skateboarding. You, you busted your chin open yeah. at one point in time. Right? And now I have a scar on my eyebrow that I just got a week ago because Jacob was dislodging the plate from the top of a tripod. And as he's dislodging it, it appeared that he was pushing upward. So I get down and off to the side and I'm watching, trying to figure out why the heck the lever isn't white. Mm-hmm. The plate won't come off of the tripod. And he managed to shoot it straight and hit me in the eyebrow. I had a big black eye. I was bleeding. It was really bad. Mm. Um, and so he's never going to live that one down. Jacob being <laughs> my um, podcasting partner. So he's a, uh, yeah. So he uh, busted me in the eye really bad. And what's funny is we were getting ready to film. I was like, well, I guess we're not filming today. <laughs> <laughs> so we were going to film our post Harvey like uh, video. Like we were, we we're talking about that. So speaking of the podcast, so what okay. is the podcast about? Um, okay, so make Robot- this is this is now the MacFab okay. Variety Hour. Okay. Yeah, oh yes. yeah, by far. <laughs> yeah, which is completely fine. I love so it. So, what's your podcast about? Um, well, it was supposed to be about kind of technology, robotics, kind of the humanity, mm-hmm. like everything that I do, mixed in with his kind of journalism stuff, and it's kind of turned into random. Um, however, every show has an actual topic. We don't tangent like we did this time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Slash R. We're, we're, yeah. We um. Yeah, we do have standards. <laughs> oh. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, I derailed we, the we conversation don't. quite yeah, a bit. Yeah, no, you're right. We don't. Okay, so, um, <laughs> so the make robots not war, which is a phrase I came up when I was young, um, and it was just a funny thing that is I Is that on a t-shirt somewhere? Uh, I will make t-shirts if you want to you buy know, one. It's, it's yeah, really funny. Great. I'll screen print you one at oh, TXRX. Yeah. <laughs> there, was, there was a company a long time ago, when, back when you couldn't really like a layman couldn't go to like mauser.com and yeah. buy LEDs. It was called LS diodes and they okay. had a, they had a bumper sticker that I had on my Jeep forever until I painted it. That Does was called make robots not war. No, no. Well, similar. <sighs> no, 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 no. It was similar vein though. It was uh, robots will kill you. Um, <laughs> that's not speaking not of bumper exactly stickers. Similar, no, but... no, it's the exact opposite. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah okay. Um, yeah. And at the time that I came up with it, it, we were not using robots in war to murder people. We yeah. weren't drone striking. Um, so it was really funny and ever since, so it, it was a domain I owned. I thought it was funny and I was like, we're mostly going to talk about, um, we also end up touching on the topic of progressivism because both Jacob and I are liberals. Um, he is a former communist, <laughs> which is an interesting conversation to have. Um, he's a former communist and we're both, um, kind of, you know, through more recent political things that have taken place in America. I don't know if you've followed, but. We have a new president now, and a lot of things have taken place in the last year. What's the phrase from yesterday? Uh, Rocket man's on a suicide mission. I yeah. The the uh, the UN uh, Trump addressed the UN and said Rocket man's on a suicide mission. (laughs) Go watch the video. It's funny. I will. You can send me a link later. (laughs) You know, don't sound interested. Okay, that was like two (laughs) weeks ago on internet time. I might have forgotten. Oh, (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, so. 
anyway, my point is, so we decided to start a podcast because he had a background in some radio stuff. He decided he loves broadcast journalism. So he was doing that, excuse me. And um, I wanted to do a podcast for fun on the side of, because I don't have enough things on my plate. And uh, that's a joke for those who haven't been paying attention. Um, and so I just threw out that name. He's like, oh, yeah, let's go with that. That's cool. So um, I already had a YouTube channel because I used to do YouTube videos a long time ago, but I did mostly um, tech, uh, like I built stuff, like robot stuff and electronics. Um, so I used my old YouTube channel and we've been discussing KPFT which is local radio station we've mm -hmm. been interviewing people that are involved in um, they're having some issues right now they might be going bankrupt and then we've been discussing like Hurricane Harvey and like a lot of things that have gone on with that and a lot of the topics we've touched on more recently have been kind of progressivism I say recently we just started like in the last few months um, but kind of you know there's there's a lot of there's a lot of political views that I hold but I'm but I'm still kind of finding my way in the world. And I feel like a lot of people that I used to think were in my voting block, like now those people are very, they're a lot more myopic in what they accept. Like being a liberal to me is very much like you do you, I do me, and you know, we're all, you know, just don't hurt other people. But I'm finding that a lot of people that I um, used to think that I shared common ground with. Yeah, that those people are very much like my way or the highway or my way or the gulag, <laughs> maybe oh, more. Wow. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Damn, very, yeah, you know that's kind of rough. <laughs> no, but I mean, but, very. Yeah. And, and going through Harvey, you know, we discussed this earlier before the mics were, light, uh, were hot, um, that um, there are certain views that people hold that you kind of wonder, like, how they got. To that point. Yeah. Like what, what made, and I try not to use that phrase. Like, I can't believe it's 2017. I can't believe you believe that. But, um, trying to understand that there are people that I don't agree with at all. And they hold views that I might find abhorrent, but I still want them to have freedom of speech. And I still, because the only way you can change someone's mind, you know, even if someone holds some really disgusting views that you just, you, they make you shudder, giving them the ability to voice those views and have a conversation with a discussion, them yeah. can change mm -hmm. them because most people in their thirties don't believe everything they believed when they were in their teen years. You, know, you no, grow and not. you, you change. Sometimes you harden. But, um, I think that it's important that people, especially people that hold dangerous view, what we consider dangerous, like people that would lead to, um, a dangerous outcome with their views. Yep. Um, I think that it's very important that they at least feel that they can speak Maybe they can't act on their views. You know, I don't want... There's a lot of views that I've had... Whoa, here we go. Uh, there's a lot of views that I don't agree with, but I want people to be able to voice them so that we can debate them. Mm -hmm. And because you can change someone's heart and you can change their mind when you give them the ability to speak. The proper venue. Yeah, the proper yeah. venue. That doesn't mean that their words... That doesn't mean that they're even entitled to getting a microphone, but they... If someone, if you start to shut down speech, those people don't go away. They go underground. And as we've seen with the internet, you know, mm -hmm. people will still continue to, um, to form groups, but now they're dangerous. Mm -hmm. Now they're under pressure and now they have to be secretive. Now they have to form societies that, you know, they, they can't voice their concerns and then they become an echo chamber. So they're brewing underground to use your, your analogy of beer. 
they're brewing at a very warm temperature, so they're <laughs> fermenting very quickly. Got a bunch of nasty <laughs> flavors with, in yeah, there. Say, they got a lot of yeah, they could have a lot of nasty flavors in there, and because they don't see the light of day, you we don't see what's going on down there. But like I said, it's an echo chamber that they they're only speaking with one another, um, and so they're you know they're having their own views validated by other people that share the same viewpoint that share the same viewpoint, and it it kind of it can it can cause a lot of harm to our society in the long run. Um, so I think at least I don't think everybody should have access or I don't think it's anyone's right to have access to a microphone. Like I said, like we shouldn't taxpayers shouldn't pay for this person to have a platform. However, I don't think that we should squash words when it comes to words. Mm -hmm. um, that's way different than actions. Um, you know, I don't believe that words are, they can be harmful, but I don't believe that words are violence. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And so part of our part of our podcast was more about like trying to speak with individuals that I, some of them I might not even agree with. Uh, there's I don't know if you're familiar with um, the term MGTOW, men going their own way. It's kind of a mm -mm. it's men who have decided that women aren't worth their time. And I have gotten in arguments with men from this movement. And so I we brought one on. I haven't posted the interview. We brought one on. I got to talk to the guy for a couple hours in it, and I got to understand him. Whereas before, I wrote these guys off as just being idiots, and they just hate women, and you know they're just stupid, whatever. But I actually sat down with one face to face, and we discussed his views, why he came to his views, and I got to explain to him why I don't agree with his views. And then I get a text a couple of weeks ago. He he made a profile on a dating site. And he's like, mm. I'm thinking about dating again. I'm like, oh, I thought girls were the devil. <laughs> yeah, I thought. But but it's one of those things where I at least, even if I don't agree with him, um, this particular individual, mm -hmm. we can at least communicate. Like, you know, I brought him into my home to interview him after for our second interview once I got to know him a little bit. And um, I don't hold the same biases against that group and I try to treat people as individuals. So I know this is rambling onto another tangent, but um, the, so the podcast, the podcast we are discussing, um, you know, humanitarianism and robotics and such. But for me, um, a lot of it is like exposing ourselves to ideas that we don't, we didn't think that we would be open to. And most of those ideas are probably going, kind of the idea is going to be on like technology like universal basic income because I, I have certain views on universal basic income and I have certain views on capitalism and things like that that are political, but there's also technological solutions. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like or, with or Bitcoin. technological impacts. Yes. To those, yeah. yeah. Ideas. Yeah. But the pro I mean the problems that we currently have technology could have a huge impact. It could be very good. And um, so we kind of formed the podcast so that we could discuss things like that and have it be an out awesome yeah how, but, how, how many episodes have you guys done? uh less than 10 okay i mean a lot of it we were um held back by hurricane harvey sure so it are you up on itunes yes we are okay if so you if you just search make robots, make robots not, war. not war or if you search for my name on there i'll come up as one of the authors so it's it's interesting because it's forcing me to think outside of like i don't normally touch on political um, topics like that. I, I think this might be the first time that we have ever talked But all these things hold hands. Of course. I mean, like humanitarianism, like I said earlier, it you can't really speak about humanitarianism without bringing up politics. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so, 
I think it's interesting and my views aren't always changed. You know, sometimes I walk away from the table, but at least I understand somebody else's where they came from. Yeah. Because it's very easy to just throw labels at people and say that they do or assign motive to say that somebody is evil when in reality they're, you know, everybody feels misunderstood. Mm -hmm. So, and everybody's a victim of someone else. So to be able to kind of have people get together and have a conversation, it's, yeah. I don't know. Is that kind of a deep, (laughs) deeper discussion than you guys wanted to get into? No, no, I think it's great. Oh yeah, I think it's fantastic. So, yeah. yeah. So the the one the guy that I spoke with the Mig Migtow is um, I'll send you a link. It's I don't want to mock the movement, but there are some weird characters within that kind of group. Um, like if you look them up on YouTube, you'll there's a lot of um, sad cases out there. A lot of it is men who were. Um, maybe in a in a family and they got divorced and they lost their children and have been fighting family law and mm-hmm. they feel um that they've had a lot taken from them mm-hmm. and they didn't have much choice and now they can't see their own children um so you know there's but they come across as just very angry people or bitter right very yeah. very like i to the point where i can't even have a conversation with most guys who identify as MGTOW. Um, because they just immediately make assum- assumptions about you because of your gender, or whatever you know. It, it seems like the uh, the whole opposite of like feminazi kind of ideal. It is it, well, it's a response yeah. to the extremism in the feminism movement that right. has gotten into the um, the the man intersectionality. Yeah. yeah, the it's definitely a response to that, and um, yeah, so. But of course, they they view women a certain way versus like you mentioned the word feminazi. Right. To use your term, um, they view men a certain way. Yep. And you know, it's just two sides to the exact same coin. And I I actually mentioned that to him in the interview. I told uh, you know in my introduction to him, I said that I that I what my viewpoints are of his movement, and then I give him the opportunity to um, to like change respond. Yeah. And I understood him a lot. It was, you know, it was very eye-opening for me. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> on a happier know, note, it's really what, funny. What I want to like, actually, I have, like, I don't. You've pay never attention. heard of that? No, never heard of that. I've heard of yeah. feminists, but like, yeah. I don't pay attention. <laughs> yeah. That's a good thing you've heard of. Feminists. Yeah. I, no, I just don't pay attention. I guess I don't pay attention. Are you familiar with the term egalitarian? No. I don't call myself a feminist. I'm an egalitarian, meaning I believe. The feminist movement originally, in its inception, um, was rooted in some kind of racist. Like it was more about uh, middle to upper class white women getting the vote, like suffragettes, okay. the versus equality for all. And so, even though they're skating on this, oh, feminism is about equality. It's like that's not what it was based on. <laughs> it's, I mean, I understand times were different, so I'd have probably well, been the, a I mean, as well. second wave feminism is where the sexual revolution, uh, right? But first, first wave was just like let us vote, yeah, right, let us vote. You know, and let us and own then, land, yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly. Well, yeah, back, let us well, let us be equal was, on paper, right, to a degree. And then second wave, and then in 1963 with the uh, human, the, oh my goodness, the Civil Rights Act, that that was supposed to be like equal pay, and then the Lilly Ledbetter, which was under Obama administration in 2009, the Lilly Ledbetter was actually uh, more about equal pay by law, mm-hmm. meaning if you pay a woman less because of her gender, not because of, you know, fewer years education or, you know, less experience, but if you 
simply use gender, that's very illegal. <laughs> and if that does happen, women need to report it because not only will they become uh, millionaires because they'll win a settlement because we don't like tolerate that anymore in the U.S. Um, but in addition to that, they need to nip it in the bud. I'm tired of hearing these women say, oh, well, I worked for this company and they took advantage of me. I'm, Why did you do anything? You live, yeah. in, you live in the West. You should say something like, yeah. you know, unless your life is in jeopardy and then you should really say something because um, because we do still have sexism. I don't believe it's systemic in the sense that, you know, it's our, our country doesn't allow it legally in our constitution. But we're probably always going to struggle, and I think we should, because we're humans, and humans have to struggle, right? Okay. Don't we? Yeah. Do you think that's why we all got along during Harvey? Because we were all <laughs> trying to survive. Everyone's struggling. <laughs> Everybody was struggling to survive, so we liked each other. Like, yeah. Oh, it's okay. We had strangers why, like, in our living rooms, right? Yeah, is exactly. that why the moment the water like receded, like people were assholes <laughs> on the road again? cutting you off, yeah. Like, so, they no, did say the like, road no, rage incidents is, have I was, I was taking a back road home what, a couple days ago. And so everyone, it was two lanes that went down the one lane to take a right turn on a main feeder road. And for those that don't live in Houston, feeder roads are what we call access business, roads. Yeah, business roads. Business roads. It's and a side. Other, yeah. Anyways, and so everyone's getting into the right lane early so we can get in line to take the right lane. And this one guy starts roll, driving down the street on the left lane to cut in front of people. I rolled my window down and was just like, like, you can't see it, but I was like middle finger and like just panned and then i looked in my <laughs> rear of mirror and like everyone's just laughing behind me like <laughs> laughing at me for getting so angry at that guy because i couldn't do anything i guess i could yeah, have like, robots will kill you bumper sticker i wish <laughs> <laughs> and i actually really thought i'm like this is what i really wanted to do was take like get some water balloons filled with water and if that and be in that same situation just chunk water balloons at them <laughs> i knew a guy but that would probably get me shot college so. that would flick pennies at people in the on in traffic it was yeah. That's a little dangerous. Yeah, because I mean, I think the point, like, if it was someone behind him I, or wherever, uh, I think the point was if you hit the window, they hear it and they they jump. Yeah. Well, I do honk my horn when I catch people like yeah. on their phones, and they'll be looking down. I go, I don't, and then they go, won't mess with my phone. <laughs> so, in the new operating system, to bring it back to Apple. <laughs> Um, in the new operating system, they have a way, I think Android has had this for quite a while, um, that you can ask your phone that while you're driving, it can either be manual, you turn it on, or it could it could sense that you're connected to Bluetooth, or it could sense that you're in motion, mm -hmm. like driving, and it can send all of your notifications elsewhere, like they sit in the cloud, <laughs> <So> that's... <laughs> um, until you arrive ah. that way but they can also respond so if it's a text they can let the person know that you're driving and yeah because it's now illegal in texas to it should text be while driving it should be um are you familiar with werner's herzog i'm sorry okay. what was it werner werner's herzog he's oh, a yeah. german yeah he does like documentaries he did a small documentary very short um about people that had died due to like um it was something about how, um, like, it would just be two words, like, be there in a sec. And then that was the last thing someone texted, and then they died. And it, it just took that one. One guy was saying he was on a country road, a, yeah. a feeder road, if you will. Um, <laughs> and he said he just, he, like, texted the word, yeah. And then he, he veered over and hit someone head on, and the other person died. And, um, yeah, lose a life over something. I just wait till I get there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah, I have my phone set to automatically just go to vibrate okay. when I'm on the road. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I just don't mess with 
my phone when I'm driving. I'll, I'll be entirely honest. This was incredibly stupid, but I did it because I, I could and I was young. Yeah. I, I, I texted once on a motorcycle going 70 miles an hour, no hands on the... Oh, on the on the bars, I was sitting there texting. Oh no! And like that was just like I look back at that, and I was I was a lot younger. You didn't wear gloves, or were they? No, I didn't have gloves okay. on at the time. Yeah, I, and and it was one of those things. I so I challenged myself one time. I was on a super long motorcycle ride, uh, and um, I, I actually rode nine hundred miles in a single day. Uh, and and I challenged myself. Wait a one minute! Time. Wait 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 wait! There are fourteen drivable hours rideable with pee break. Yep. Uh, that would make 13 drivable hours at how many miles per hour? Uh, 85. 85. How did you do? 900? Yeah, I, I did 900. I, I, I left my... Okay, this was the day after I graduated college. The morning after I graduated college, I got on my motorcycle at 5.30 in the morning, and... I don't remember what time I got off the bike. Uh, I, I do remember when I got off the bike, I was at a hotel room. I put the bike down and I almost dropped it because I was so tired. Yeah, and you're but, vibrating. But no, so here's yeah. the thing. I filled my motorcycle eight times uh, that day and I challenged myself once. I filled the motorcycle up with gas. I got on the freeway and I was like, I'm not going to put my hands on the bars until I need gas again. So oh, I rode, I rode so my hands kind of, off. What kind of bike the, was it? It's a, in fact, we were working on it last weekend. It's yeah, a we're talking about this last Cafe week on the podcast. Or? No, no, no. It's a big cruiser. Big, okay, he- big okay. heavy it's bike. A, okay. It's a Honda Harley, basically. Okay, yeah, yeah. I no, had it's a, big enough that if you lean I left or right, ninja. it will turn. Yeah. Uh, so, I had a so, ninja that if you oh, got it up to speed, yeah. you could kind of, yeah, you'd yeah. lean a little bit. I would, yeah. I, I did 100, uh, 110 miles with my hands off the bars. <laughs> I'm not proud of that, but it was it was. Sounds cool. like you're proud of it. It was fun. It's weird. Don't try this at home. This is a weird podcast. That's going to be the... I, I think that Fear might be the title of this podcast. Don't try this at home? Don't try this yeah. at home. Yeah. Actually, I like that. <laughs> we got to do that. Yeah. So, um... What, what's actually on the we list actually that we haven't talked about yet? Oh, my favorite tool is my Puck 5. It's a little t- TIG welding. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, on this list was favorite tools, question mark. Yeah, it's a little... Um, it's a welding. So, landmine tracking robots. I talked about that. Yeah. Sort of. I don't know if anybody understood what I said. Favorite tools is my Puck 5, and then I have a hydraulic press. So a Bonnie Dune hydraulic How many press. tons? 20. Nice. I think it might be more. Twenty. It's at least 20. 20 is great. 20 is enough to... Um, to do... break shit. Well, <laughs> you, say you, can really break, you can break shit, up. but it, but if you have a die, you can you can make That's, molds and stuff. So like that. I'm going so because I again I don't have enough on my plate. I'm actually getting into um, some small wearable electronic stuff mm-hmm. like devices. Um, and one of the things I want to do is uh, more jewelry grade. So I'm working with fine silver and gold. And oh, that's what what that welders for then. Yeah, the welders for that, and then the um, like I said, I have some projects. I've been working mostly with like different types of texturing and mm-hmm. such, um, doing metal smithing. <laughs> Just pushing texture into it, right? Well, yeah, Smashing doing that, texture. but then also like hand using um, fret frets or frets tools, um, hammers mm-hmm. and such texturing tools. Um, also, because I like physical things, I was a software developer for so long that um, uh, once in a while, like if I been doing things on my computer i want to touch i like tactile and i i want to actually build something that moves around and interacts with me as opposed to just being a piece of software i can delete so that's my that's favorite harsh <laughs> yeah. what are you are you software no no just the uh um you can't just delete it <laughs> yeah yeah so uh favorite tools would be my puck five right now i mean this changes um, yeah 
and then my probably my Bonnie Doom press and then and I like hand tools like I'm getting into you know I don't like um I don't know if you can tell I got my I got a manicure because I'm going to be going to a wedding but uh my my fingernails have never looked like girl hands I have very large hands and I have very masculine hands and so um for years doing welding and all of that I put a lot of years on my hands and so now I'm going to a few weddings in the next few months and so I went and got a manicure so now I'm sticking with the MIG welding and anything that's not too um like not a lot of chemicals mm-hmm. things like that so pink fingernails anyway, and, and and MIG welding yeah right? I actually let Twitter vote on my fingernail color I was going to do black red or like a pink color and everyone voted for pink so what, why don't why don't we do pink fingernails as the uh, the secret code word yeah. for the podcast this week? Yeah. So if you if it's my you, server password, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you email in uh, pink fingernails to podcast at macfab.com along with your address, we will send some sweet swag your way. If you are in the United States, oh, you guys do games. We kind of yeah. Okay, pink fingernails. Yeah, speaking of yeah, Stevens well. game. Steve's you, Steve's you, game. This is a long podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's already long, so we'll just keep going. Right? Yeah, we'll keep we, we, we keep going. So uh, Steve's game. Uh, when we have a guest, we play a quick game. I ask you a question, you answer it. So uh, the way you sound just like a like game show talk host. That's what like, I'm trying to do, and like then you interrupt. One a.m. in the morning. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, so in the, in the vein of of robotics and education, uh, what I was thinking is we'd we'd play a quick game where. Uh, we do the thing that everyone did back in like physics in high school, and you have to throw an egg off the top of a building, uh, and you have to survive. not crack the egg. What would you do? Oh me? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I already know what I do. Um, I would have those uh, the egg. Well, they call them egg cartons. Oh wait, you weren't allowed to use an egg carton, were you? No, this is, you can do cool. whatever, you, is, want. whatever okay, you want. Okay, I would use the soundproofing foam that mm-hmm. has like acoustic tiles. Stuff? Yeah, acoustic yeah. tiles, and I would have two and then i would have boxes on both sides but with a little bit of air so that it you know would land so it would cushion a little and then i do rubber bands but i do so many rubber bands that even if some of them snapped they would uh it would still survive and the reason i do that is because i was fortunately teamed up with a smart guy when we did that project and ours was one of the only ones to survive nice through all the what they do is they keep you keep dropping them yep and they drop them a different way uh, higher and higher until there's only one survivor, and I had nothing to do with the success of that project. There's only but, one survivor. Um, yeah, it's like the it's like battle royale or Hunger Games for yeah. eggs. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was also the student that um, I w- surprisingly enough I was quiet. I was kind of introverted back then, so people thought I was smart. So um, I skated on people thinking I was smart long enough for them to treat me like I was smart. And then I became smart because I was filtered up with the smart kids. So I got to hang out with the smart kids only because the teachers thought I was smart. So I'm not really smart. I just hang out with smart people. Osmosis. Yes. And so to bring that back, (laughs) um, that's how I won the egg drop. And that's how we did it was we had like hundreds of rubber bands wrapped around it. Cool. Okay. So how would you do it? So... I've been playing last. I've been playing this game called Kerbal Space Program. Uh, nerd. Yeah, <laughs> and so I was actually playing it last night a little bit after um, Steve and I finished playing PUBG. PUBG, and I would take the egg and launch it fast enough to reach orbit, so it would never hit the ground. Oh, you're such a That's nerd! You're a dork. Cheating. You are such a dork. That's cheating. <laughs> 
That's cheating. <laughs> Isn't even no. Hey, it, but it but it works. It's an answer. Yeah, no. The only okay. thing you'd have to be careful about is is, is the acceleration. I'm pissed off because I used to hate when people would figure out the the a loophole trap door in the, <laughs> the, yeah. tra- yeah. the trap door. Well, that's the thing about Steve's game is there's just like so there's no rules. You know, I think uh, myself knowing the way I handle these kinds of things, I would probably just go to like Home Depot and get like a three inch PVC tube and just fill it with foam and just you're like not, pray you're for not the allowed best. to. Are you allowed to like enclose it in foam? In Steve's game, you're allowed to do whatever the but hell how you would want. You, to do. So if you put it in foam, like I'm, you like, just can't crack the shell. That's the rule, right? Yeah. That's right. They ha- you have to open it up and pull the egg out. Oh, or you have to handle it the egg. It can't be a boiled later. egg, right? Either, yeah. yeah. I, yeah, you can't you can't cook the egg. I would put it on a quadcopter. <laughs> oh, fly it down. <laughs> the tank. Hey, have you, you have you seen the guys that scramble <laughs> eggs inside the shell and then cook it? Oh, uh, using friction. Uh, I, I saw a guy do it once where he spun it fast enough that it just. That's such bullshit. <laughs> no, I have what seen. The, are no. you familiar with orbital tube welding? Or, or friction welding? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you yeah. know how they can take two pipes? Yeah, and they can right. spin them fast enough and they weld together? Yeah, they just melt, basically. Yeah. Uh, like butter or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, orbital tube welding, I believe. Don't quote me on this. A friend of mine was an orbital tube welder at SpaceX and was trying to explain to me, and it was a similar kind of process. What do you, Can you cook an egg that way, though? Just by spinning it? Spinning that it is... so fast. <laughs> she said, she's saying that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You spin it fast enough it. to create internal I don't believe friction. it. Because I know... No, 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 you... no, no, no. Somebody didn't scramble an egg as in they didn't cook it. By spinning it, what they did was they broke the yolk and mixed it all up inside the shell. Then you hard boil it, and when you peel it all open, it's yellow. The whole thing is yellow, homogenous. No, you, no, you no, cooking it by spinning. What if you took it? Because I know if, if you if because you stir, the protein. Yeah, it's too the. Yeah, it's an egg. Do Do it's, we need to go to YouTube here? And, and, no. And, and watch no. Do you want a biology no, no, no. class? <laughs> is, I wonder how fast you'd have to spin an you'd egg. You'd have to spin actually... a very. Have you ever tried to make pancakes? <laughs> like mixing an egg white with an egg yellow is not easy. You have to like whip it. Yeah, yeah. Whip it, yeah. whip it good. Yeah. <laughs> so my husband noticed the other day that um, Ready Whip, because it was his birthday, so we had Ready Whip for the cake party, whatever. That. Another tangent. Um, Ready Whip, the lid, looks like Devo's hat. hat the, 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 the and he goes, hat. so I hope he doesn't listen to this podcast because I lied and said I knew it. But he he was trying to be funny. He's like, oh, my God, did you guys notice that this totally looks like a Devo hat? And they sing the song Whip It. I go, yeah, I know. They did that on purpose. <laughs> I had no it was Like, I never lie to him, ever. Because yeah. first off, I can't pull it off. But I just – I. I'd be like, oh, you're really smart. But I was kind of like, shut up, stupid. It's your birthday. Like, shut up, put it down. <laughs> so, so the, he noticed that it's, I don't know why I brought this up. You mentioned egg whites and whipping it. And whip, yeah. There we go. That's Full it. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So, yes, uh, ready whip caps look like Devo's hats. And I don't know if that's intentional or not. You could Google it. You have a little assistant over there. Yeah. Which came first, Devo hats or whip it? Or egg whites. I know. I know. Ready Whip came out first. Or the, the chicken. The whipped cream or the came chicken, out first. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that was funny. Um, yeah. So um, the egg white thing. Uh, can you explain to me how they whip the? How they? Sorry. How they mix the white and the yellow? Do they? Um, do they? 
puncture the shell? Did you just shake I, it? I, I, no, I, they, they, or oh, like the mucus I, membrane? I my, is that the rule? They, they, uh, the guy, uh, he, he wraps it up in like a, a, a towel and then spins the towel up, like basically spins okay. it up and then pulls either end of the oh. towel such that it spins at a really high It's like that rate. toy where, where you spread your hand and it spins up and then yeah, you yeah, right. it. And you get, yeah. the, you get the thing like ripping and then you stop it immediately such that all the juice inside the egg kind of just experiences a lot of rotational Gs and mixes itself. And then he hard-boiled that and you get said scrambled so hard-boiled like, egg. That's weird. Yeah. I will have, you'll have to send me the link. Yeah. I'll have to see that to believe it because I think he's full of it. That it doesn't make sense to me, like the physics, because there's not air inside of a, like you'd need air for it to mix, right? I think just the I think you can still. I think just the density mix difference. It'd have to be really fast. Yeah. So so uh, I will send you another one. There's a guy who makes a contraption for what's called a long egg, where it is a continual tube. Think think of think of a tube where that okay. where it's I've seen that it's I've actually seen that some Japanese then, foods use a slice yeah yeah and and, and a uh, and a and an English uh, meat pie called a gomer pie okay. has what's called a long egg in the middle of it such that if you cut any slice you it's get got, the same yeah. little like bullseye of egg in the middle I believe that because that doesn't defy the laws of physics right and I've seen something kind of similar so th- this guy uses a sous vide maker and a bunch of like weird PVC okay. stuff and he makes an egg that's like 12 inches long and it's white on the outside and it's got a, a yolk yeah. in the middle so. cool and he looks like Colonel Sanders so the guy does. Yeah, the guy yeah. looks exactly. It looks like Colonel Sanders telling you how to make eggs. You look into Steve's YouTube history. It's just like all eggs. It's the weirdest <laughs> shit you've ever it's just seen. All eggs. <laughs> yeah, all eggs. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. And then yeah. electronic projects. You know we could keep there. going with this. Podcast. Oh yeah. No, this, oh, yeah. this could, this could go. Morning. This could go for a very long time. But, yeah. Uh, so so okay. Let's let's kind of reel it back here. Okay. So, Annika. Where can people find more about what you do? Oh, shit, um, he's on topic. Well, you can, oh, yeah. You <laughs> See what I did there? Anikaobrien.com. <laughs> um, that's A-N-N-I-K-A-O-B-R-I-E-N.com. And I think, excuse me, I think I have links. Uh, if you go YouTube.com forward slash Brian, And then on Twitter, I'm on um, Anika Skywalker, because that name wasn't taken. Um, it's like Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Or like, yeah. A N N I or Anakin Skywalker before it was um, Anakin with two N's. Yeah, A N N I K A <laughs> Skywalker. Um, yeah. So I, um, yeah, I mostly right now I'm sticking with the humanitarian stuff. Houston Robotics Club is my main focus. I have a couple of other projects that could pop up. Uh, if so, you will see me on television. Uh, you'll at least see some of my robots on television. Actually, we never touched on that in this podcast. <laughs> oh my some god! Of, some of we your totally robots didn't have even talk been on about television. We never make... told any of us. So, what does Annika do for money? How does she afford this luxurious lifestyle? Um, I make robots, and one of them. A lot of what I'm doing, where the real money is, is is in consulting. It's not even in the making. The making, like you go on set, you can build quite a bit per day. But you put a, a lot of hours in before that day happens. So a film day, you can bill like $5,000 for a day, which sounds like a lot of money. But it's like weeks of prep. And it's building, you know, it's building oh, yeah. this thing before you actually make it to the set. Um, however, uh, consulting is what I enjoy because you can talk to somebody who, you know, usually, usually it's like a director. It's one of their underlings. And you get... A lot of it is um, verifying that the physics and the electronics that they have in their mind are realistic. Real. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the show, uh, or yeah, the television show ER, they mm-hmm. had a lot of consultants that would just say, yes, that's a real word or things like that. You that's know, a real is, process. Yeah, to like cut if somebody came open. in for this, oh, this is yeah. how you would say it. Yeah. Or house. What, you know, yeah. everything is lupus or all of these other things that they can <laughs> consult. Yeah, yeah, I don't make lupus robots. But um, so <laughs> a, lot of the, a lot of the projects that I've done that are higher paying in the last you know few years have been consulting gigs. Um, usually it's a third party. So you're not, it's not like I get film credit. But mm-hmm. there's a couple of projects that I'm working on where I would probably get IMDb credit because I would be like right there next to the robot, which is a lot of fun. Um, and then, you know, Sci-Fi, Nat Geo, uh, Game Show Network is one that I've worked with quite closely. And then um, on the side, I'm doing the Houston Robotics Club, which mm-hmm. I really enjoy. Um, and I, I think what I like about it more than anything is that I don't have to be the driving force. I have so many other people that are involved in the club that um, I can almost just, I would say that if I end up not being the president, I wouldn't be surprised because there's so many people that are so incredibly devoted that all they want to see is for Houston to have this club and they're willing to put, if they don't have the funding to do it themselves, um, they're willing to put up all the time to make sure that it works and they're willing to pull their resources. Um, And so I've been deemed the benevolent um, benefactor, which... That's you what have, I've been, is it going to be like a painting on the wall? Of not you, of like, me. Of not like, of me. More like a I'm, big flag or standard. On we the could wall. have a flag. Yeah. We could have a flag. We could, yeah. you know, start our own nation. But no, I was thinking it'd be like, like you was it in North Korea? Like everyone at the dinner table has the 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 great leader on, on oh, the wall. Our, our dear leader. Our dear leader. That's what it's called. That's yes. That's that's not creepy. That's scary. Yeah. No, it's. um so another tangent, <laughs> TXRX, where we meet mm-hmm. at for the longest time, our meeting area in the background had the the painting from um, Ghostbusters, the the evil guy, like the the, the legit one. Oh, it, no, 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 no! Somebody okay. had painted had made it. It was really well done. You, that was, was that was Ghostbusters was like two. Six, yes, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. right. Sorry, Ghostbusters two. It was like six to eight feet tall. Yeah. The thing was enormous. Yeah, and uh, somebody had made it there, and the. The frame was very well done. They had because reasons. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> for that nerds. movie. <laughs> yeah, nerds beget nerditry. Yeah. So um, they um, anyway. So somebody had made that. It was really cool. So maybe we'll have that. And I, I don't want my painting because it's weird. I just kind of started it. I was like the one who kind of threw out the seeds and watered it, and then other people have come in with their. Um, what was your fecal matter you were talking about? How well you oh, the smell? Oh, yeah, mulch and wine, Mulch, right? yes. Yeah. They came in and mulched it and wined it and you know, they germinated the <laughs> seeds that, that I started. And it was, I've had so much support in Houston from just kind of grassrootsy kind of stuff. And we have so many big ideas with the club, like things that we want to accomplish in Houston that I'm, um, like I'm excited. Mm-hmm. And uh, with LA Robotics Club, I think it was bad timing. I think at the time um, there were a lot of people that wanted to be involved, but they just didn't have the resources or by resources, I mean time. Um, They just, it was very difficult for me to get people to be actually involved. And now here it's, I'm kind of the slow poke. I'm the one that is the bottleneck. You know, everyone um, we have, (laughs) sorry. Um, I, I'm laughing because I'm thinking of other weird things. Um, so some of our members do not like using social media. 
They do not like using uh, like Google products. They prefer to use DuckDuckGo, um, like uh, like various. Ask Jeeves. We use yeah. Well, <laughs> opinionated search no, engines. They use they use weird. <laughs> yeah, they use weird methods of of communication, and they won't use Google. So um, we had this is another tangent. We had uh, we have our meetings. And in our meetings, it's always like mostly us trying to figure out like, okay, will you please use the Google document if I send you a link? <laughs> uh, can you, but they always have like these different random like software th- projects that they're working on that they want me to use and then they never work. You know, we do use GitHub obviously because that's the gold standard for yeah. repository mm-hmm. um, for where we keep all of our, um, all of our code. Um, but I'm like speaking in circles here. Um, we have um, we have a lot of projects that we're going to be doing. We will be discussing them at Maker Fair, and then mostly community um, community interaction. Like we want to offer free classes. We have classes already, but um, we want to have projects that help like hurricane victims, like what Station Houston has some apps that they're developing, um, and we want to kind of be involved in not just cool fun entertaining robots but we would like to go to the um like the children's hospital and interact with kids that haven't been able to leave their beds um and take projects that we're proud of but that do something good that make people smile or save lives things like that so it sounds kind of like it's big picture, but it but it's the direction that uh, not just I'm driving the club, um, the other people that are kind of higher up by higher up. I mean, the people that show up every single week and that are involved in the bylaws of the group. Um, we're kind of all it's like one giant bus that's kind of moving in the same direction and we all get along really well and we all have completely different backgrounds. Um, and so it it's a lot of fun just because I can see that we're going to get um we're going to get everything done. Yeah. Versus in LA, it was like, I was always kind of hopeful that something would happen, but we never really got traction. So does that make sense? That was a really long way to say that I'm grateful for Houston and the robot nerds here that are helping my club survive. (laughs) (laughs) Thumbs up. Yeah. Thumbs up. Two thumbs up. All right. Do yeah. you have any, any more questions? Or I'm can not. I ask you a question? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah ask a question. It. Go for it. What's your favorite kind of beer? Um, my, cold. <laughs> um, more Three. specific. No, yeah, <laughs> no, like, no. That's always like the, that's the like second one, cheeky right? yeah. answer, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my favorite beer is a local beer brewed by um, Buffalo Bayou. It's called the It's More Cowbell. It's an IPA. <laughs> so, but it's very delicious and it comes in 16 ounce cans and are they going to sponsor your next podcast um they actually do sponsor our um our meetup okay. but they don't bring that beer okay okay we can see if the our listeners will help me out with this uh i don't want to be a douche or anything like that but i'm looking for a recipe for a particular beer that was brewed in like 2010 uh, by St. Arnold's. St. Arnold's, the brewery here in town, okay. does a beer called a Divine Reserve, which okay. they brew one time, they sell it, and then once it's out, it's out. Oh, no. And Div- Divine Reserve number 12 was a, called an Old Ale, and it's the best beer I have ever had. And it was one of those ones where I got it, uh, I got it like two six packs, and that was it. And uh, 
the thing is, Never again. my buddy who works at Hewlett Packard, yeah. uh, actually works with the guy who brewed the beer originally. Because St. Arnold's, a lot of times, what they do is they brew off of someone who wins a contest. Okay. And this guy won that contest. So I've tried back channels to try to reach this guy and be like, dude, I don't want to steal your beer. I'm not going to try to make money. Yeah. I just want to make a lot of it for me. You know, yeah. and I have not been able to get the recipe. So Old Ale is is potentially one of my favorite styles of beer, and that one in particular is okay. like the best. So cool. The, the so it's one of those. Off. So it's one of those things that it, do you think the rarity um, has anything to do with why you liked it? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Like, <laughs> it's, the, it's at least not new. It was really the best. He's gonna brew it and be like, "Well, that's like me. This is my, terrible." Yeah, I, no, I'm afraid. So my favorite beer that I um, liked, uh, not to bring it back to me, but. Um, was one that I asked the waiter what it was called, and I I wrote it down, but I didn't know how it spelled. I thought it was Japanese. It was snowplow, and the way he said it, I thought he was saying. So I wrote it down like I would write in <laughs> Japanese, and I'm like, I have no idea what he just said. But <laughs> I I didn't want to sound like an idiot, so I wrote it down. And over a couple of years, I I finally asked someone. I was like, kind of what you just did. I uh, call to arms. It's like, has anybody heard of snowplow? They're like, oh, snowplow? Like <laughs> S-N-O-W. They're like, it's, it's a Widmer Brothers beer, which ah, please don't. Yeah. yeah, I know, Widmer Brothers. It's like they are sellouts, um, right? Isn't Widmer Brothers supposed to be one of the ones that we're not supposed well, to like? Were they bought by InBev? Pro- that's what I mean. I mean the big yeah. brewery here in, in Houston, Carbach, got bought up yeah, by InBev. Yeah, and I know. And, but you know what? Okay, so so that's another thing we could touch on. When <laughs> we talked about Aldi, these breweries um, that got bought out now more people can drink their beer, and they because it's economy of scale, yeah. right? But all the all the local starts drying up. Yeah, and a lot of people in the community weren't too thrilled. Yeah, I'll put it this way: is is Carbach beer? I won't buy it, but I'll definitely drink it. Okay, that's my view on it. Snob. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'll so anyway, drink so it. Snowplow was my favorite, and I'm terrified. That if I were to drink it today, I would think it's disgusting. Oh. It had a kind of a chocolatey finish. Oh, it was well, a dark. Then brown. keep it as like the last time I had a divine, divine Reserve Twelve yeah. was Christmas a few years ago, and I remember it was cold, and I just sat out on my porch drinking it, and it was like that was a fantastic memory. So I really don't want to have another one okay. because it was just like it would it would ruin Mine. it. It's kind of like Firefly, the the television show, where it's like it was good. It was you don't only want more good. episodes because it lonely. I, yeah, no. Yeah. If there was more like episodes, Breaking Bad, it I couldn't would believe Breaking Bad, bad was ending. Huh? But I'm glad I'm glad Breaking Bad ended on a high note. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And Firefly. I didn't like Firefly. I mean, oh, that's okay. You we don't judge. It's, like it's, I said, cool. I'm all I mean, about. I'm open to. You don't. You don't have to like good things, Parker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm open to sitting in a room with someone that I hate. Well done. So so um yeah, the, it's funny you mentioned that about the memories associated with that beer snowplow. I was at Moon Shadows in Malibu. Which sounds very fancy. That sounds really fancy. Very, it's very expensive. But I was not. I was not paying. I was not paying, and it was. Um, it was like a, a work related thing, and so somebody else picked up the tab, and so of course I was. You know, I didn't drink alcohol at the time, so it was like one of the first beers I had ever had. Um, so it was. I think it was more the memory association that I was watching seagulls over the ocean, and it was this beautiful thing, and I knew this was a memory i could never have afforded at that age it was in my early 20s and yeah i'm like oh my god i'm 
drinking beer like a rich fancy person in Malibu. I was about to say yeah. like never a rich have person, that beer like again. A fancy yeah, person. <laughs> yeah, and now it's got this memory of, but it actually tasted good. Yeah. Okay. In addition to yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was being all moonshiny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or moon shadowy. Moon shadowy. Whatever it was. The exactly the opposite of shining. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Well, I think I think we've set three records so yeah. far with for this podcast. Length? Well, length for sure. Topics. Randomness for sure, mm-hmm. and the most amount of beer drinking during one podcast. Yeah. I only had like two. Yeah. Stephen actually, I think, set the record. I only had two as well. Yeah. That's in kombucha that I brought from home. So that means Stephen. Well, that's fermented and it does have alcohol, <laughs> yes. so we're going to count it. a little it. bit of alcohol. Right. Yeah, we're going to count it. Yeah, I'm going to have to Uber home. That'll be five bucks. I'm like right up the street. So. <gasps> well, cool. With that, um, <laughs> you want to sign us out, Annika? Um, yes, that was the Macrofab Engineering Podcast, and I was your guest, Annika O'Brien. And we were your hosts of the Macrofab Variety Hour, Parker <laughs> Doman. And Stephen Craig. Later, everyone. Take it easy. Bye. Thank you, yes you, our listener, for downloading our show. If you have a cool idea, project, or topic that you want Stephen and I to discuss, tweet us at Macrofab or email us at podcast at Macrofab.com. And isn't it weird if you said tweet us at at Macrofab.com? Because it's the Twitter stuff is at. Maybe I think that's weird. Anyways, um, if you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, click that subscribe button. It's somewhere in the app you use or it's on iTunes or somewhere there. Um, that way you can get the latest map episode right when it releases. So please review us on iTunes or the app you use like, was it, Podcast Burner? Podcaster? Podcast, whatever. Um, that way the show stays visible and helps us find new listeners. Thank you. <laughs>